This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this show. Man, today, crazy town getting to work. I wake up, look out the window, tons of snow in my front yard. I don't know, six inches, seven inches. And then I thought, oh boy, I got I to gotta drive to work. And then I realized that everybody forgot how to drive today. That was crazy. Terry, were you stuck in that as well? I was. <laughs> you have to, I think you have to go farther than I do. I do. There was a... Uh... It's kind of a transition ramp when people were stuck on it. So it wasn't an on-ramp. Yeah. But it was like you're going from one freeway to the next, and people were stuck on this incline. Yeah. Oh, I heard about that. Moving sideways. Uh-huh. And then instead of waiting and just letting people figure it out, people in their four-wheel drives decided just to just plow right on through. Just go right through there. So there are all these near misses as everyone's trying not to hit each other. This is where the four-wheelers and everybody with a four-wheeler thinks, okay, this is where I own the world. Yeah. I'll show you how to do it. And Let me show you how to do it. Floor it and go the other direction, and, and then they create panic amongst the regular non four wheelers. I m- I miss my my truck. Yeah, yeah. Today is there's usually about three days a year, four yep. days a year where a four wheel drive vehicle is perfect. And this is the day. Yep. Mm, Blast tomorrow. Nah, not so big. No. Not the big deal. So that's how I felt today. I was going to take my family car, which is has four wheel drive, and. Then I thought, well, I probably would have left my family in a lurch. None of them would be able to go anywhere. Anyway, uh, crazy weather, but apparently it's like Easter back east. Yeah, it's unseasonably warm. I hope you're enjoying that. I'm glad there's snow. It was not seeming like Christmas. The, now I've got a little bit of Christmas. The risking your life, getting mm-hmm. to work more than usual? Yeah, I mean, a person All needs right. to almost die driving to work. <laughs> or it's not quite Christmas. I was, I was rather tense. Yeah, I was too. My yeah. my hands are very sore yeah. from holding that steering wheel. I was more going sideways than forward at it, many times this really? morning. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, but I'm pretty good at the keeping you know your tail your yeah. uh, car from fishtailing as you're spinning left. I'm and glad right. I got tires. I got some new tires. Yeah, so I'm just cutting right through it <laughs> until you die. And then Garrett, we get here and Garrett's like, "What? I live a block away. Where have you guys been?" Just trying to get here, Garrett. Man, Garrett. Garrett didn't even know. He didn't even know it was snowing. It was kind of a rain snow this morning when I woke up and looked oh, outside. Garrett. Provo's not. Garrett. It's not snowing hard here. National Weather Service this morning. Yeah. Put out a map. Basically, east of the Mississippi. Your chances of a white Christmas, not so good. Man. West Sorry. of the Mississippi, pretty good. You may have a white Christmas. We should start shipping snow. There's we could. people that make money doing that. The guy in Boston shipping mm-hmm. snow, and then he, he moved on to leaves in the fall. And yeah. We could do that. <laughs> we could ship snowballs to you know warm warmer climate. But if if it's like my office, your shipment would arrive and maybe just sit at the front desk for a month. Right. So you'd get a you wouldn't get a snowball. <laughs> that happened here. It happened here once. Candy they bars. fixed it now. Fixed it now. It was great. Candy bars are all melted in big piles of candy bar. Hey, um, 
Interesting stuff. Ted Cruz taking the lead, which is a very interesting little – I mean, that's one poll. It's a poll, interestingly. Of all the well, polls, it's the one poll Donald doesn't really like. And the way it's presented, they don't tell you that it's one poll. Yeah. That there's like – there's 10 polls that they continue to report, and they just pick the one that has the uh, most, I guess, uh, newsworthy yeah. element to it. And it's just one poll. It's just one poll. Ted Cruz is ahead. It's the the newspaper, the Des Moines Register, mm-hmm. Democrat, you know, Journal, Tribune, whatever. They have their poll that says he's leading, but all the rest of them, Trump is ahead. Yeah. And so, of course, Trump has a negative opinion towards the poll that doesn't like him. And Ted Cruz made a comment, apparently, behind closed doors about the Trumpster. Yeah. And the Trumpster. We played it last week. Yeah. And then the Trumpster's not liking that. No. So he's coming out swinging. Foo, foo. You know, yeah. he he looks like uh, the woman that beat Ronda Rousey. Whatever her name is. What was her name? I can't remember. It was really good. And uh, anyway, all of a sudden, you know, Cruz is like, be cool, man. Be cool. Yeah. We're friends. He's trying to be. He has a friends. Said, he's tried everything in his power not to go after Trump. Yeah. Try to be the, you know, I Trump, you know, he's he's making some good points. Like like the, the comments uh, recently about uh, not allowing Muslims into the country for a period mm-hmm. of time. And Trump's complimented, or uh, Cruz complimented Trump on bringing immigration into the conversation. Yeah, it's yeah. important. Look what he's doing here. He's 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 initiating a great conversation. Yeah, and is, in, in that it's going to get ugly in this debate. It took two or three questions to get to the point where Cruz, do you do you want to block Muslims from the country? No, 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 we don't yeah. want to do that. So it took a while to get to that, but he eventually said it. <laughs> it's going to get crazy. He's trying not to offend anyone because Donald's just chomping at the bit to say he's not even he, he's not yeah. even American. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Canadian comment. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to bring in the and then and then Cruz has to say I've denounced my Canadian citizenship and here we go. Blah. And then we'll, what, birth certificates? Is that where we yeah. go? Is that the next We got thing? it. Yeah, for sure. That's just the script. <laughs> oh, it's a crazy day. Crazy day. And it's a full week of uh, fun and excitement with the Matt Townsend Show. We've got tons of great guests coming up this week. And then, by the way, today we thought we'd bring in Todd Palmer. We did an interview with an FBI kind of information officer for the Salt Lake City office. We did it a while ago. But with everything that went on in San Bernardino and, you know, local terroristic threats and all of these things, we thought, okay, we're going to replay this great interview because Todd gives us kind of an inside view of the FBI, what's going on, what to pay attention to, and then also about local terrorism, local threats. So anyway, we'll get to him in just a minute. Um, It's a really interesting interview about how safe we are, really, locally here in the United States. But uh, before we do that, let's get to the headlines with Terry South, find out what's going on around the rest of the world. Terry? Thanks, Matt. As we were talking about Donald Trump, you can uh, see that there's a new conservative firebrand, as this report says, on top of Iowa. So Donald Trump has a, a uh, someone to look up into, into this one poll to see that's above him. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas jumped 21 percentage points in the most recent Des Moines Register Bloomberg politics poll. Cruz was the number one choice for 31 percent of those polls. Trump held steady at 21%. Ben Carson plummeted 15 points from his height to take third with 13%. That seems like a statistical anomaly when you jump 21 percentage points in one poll. Just a thought. It does. In the wake of that new poll, Ted Cruz, with a stunning leap to first place in Iowa, Donald Trump is now going on the attack against his one-time friend. 
As you look at the way he's dealt with the Senate, where he goes in there like, you know, frankly, like a bit of a maniac, Trump says in an interview with on Fox News. You, you're never going to get things done that way. He also questioned Cruz's judgment, saying he's not qualified to be president. CNN announced his lineup for Tuesday's Republican presidential debate, which will feature nine candidates, including Chris Christie and Rand Paul. Prior to Sunday's decision, it seemed that the base on polling criteria, Paul would miss out on the debate on the debate it's unclear on how cnn made its final determination to include the kentucky senator the undercard debate will feature huckabee santorum graham and pataki let me get this straight yes go ahead so donald trump is giving uh ted cruz feedback that you shouldn't act like a maniac you can't go in there and offend everybody yes because to offend everybody means you don't get anything done he's talking about in the senate yeah only in the senate is that the only place you can't go in like a maniac and offend everybody okay I was just checking. I, I, it's okay I, to do I, everywhere I saw else. that, too. General population, I Did, guess that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. In the Senate where Ted Cruz was causing issues. Is Did, the okay. So what, what, what if the president offends everybody in the Senate? It might be different. Oh, it's different. I'm sure it's different. It, I'm, I'm not sure how that all works. Just trying to figure it Moving out. parts. In, uh, in other news, graphic video footage appears to show L.A. County uh, Sheriff deputies repeatedly shooting a man walking away from them on Saturday, apparently continuing even after he fell to the ground and tried to crawl away. The man died at the scene. Authorities identify the man as Nicholas Robertson, 28. The man had allegedly fired shots into the air and pointed a gun at deputies before they opened fire, the L.A. Times reports. Dozens of, report of protesters took to the streets near where the shooting took place Saturday night, and that continued on to Sunday. That, of course, is being reviewed. Hmm. Uh, Amazon, they have pulled several versions of the so-called hoverboards. We talked about them last yeah. week. fireboards. They're now basically fireboards. So Amazon's pulled them from the website. The online re- 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 retailer says for a time being, they're not recommending any hoverboards until they are proven to be safe. There have been several media reports of the self-balancing scooters catching on fire or exploding a spokesman. A spokesperson from the Consumer Product Safety Commission provided some recommended safety tips to know before one, uh, buying one for yourself or as a gift. And they uh, announced that they are investigating 10 hoverboard-related fire incidents in nine states wow. and more than 30 reports of emergency room-level injuries. Wow. Because you get on them, you start moving, and your feet slip out, and you hit your head. And the next thing you know, bada-boom, bada-bing. I was at a... What do you call it? A Christmas gifting type expo over the weekend. Oh, and they were selling. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was brutal. Yeah, okay. It's all right. I had podcasts and I was able to kind of zone out and my wife was able to do what she needed to do. It's, it's, we go see all the Avenger Marvel comic book movies. Uh huh. This is the payback. Okay. Okay. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. You go to these events, gifting fairs, and she goes to. And she goes to my movies. Star Wars so, this week. Okay, yeah, okay. there has to be give oh, and take. That's good. No, that's love. That's love. Right? Uh-huh. You're a conflict uh-huh. specialist. Yeah. You're helping people. This so, that, is... so this week was a lot of give. Yes. Yeah. Next This next weekend? Yeah. Star Wars? Take, take, take. Lots of take. Right, that's good. So we were at the gifting expo. Uh-huh. They were selling hoverboards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But as they were demonstrating, they made sure everyone put on a helmet. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. Well, liability. <laughs> Absolutely. And there was one guy that was selling them. He was just on his phone, just sort of spinning around, standing there on the hoverboard. Huh. Looking he, cool. Looking cool. Like he'd want to get one. Right. And uh, but everyone that was testing him, they had like, they had a, an older woman on one, and they were she were they were like holding her hand as she was moving around, and she was still trying to fall down. So. Oh man. They're 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 really uh, a dangerous item if you're not sure what you're. But like a skateboard. 
Yeah. If you jump on a skateboard yeah. and you don't know what you're doing. But for these young kids, you know, most of them, I mean, are, they're going to get it in yeah. a couple minutes. They can learn pretty quick. But if you're older, if you're an older generation, maybe 25 and above, I wouldn't go near them. Probably put on a helmet. And I'd make sure you have fire insurance. <laughs> and fire insurance, as houses are. I, I saw back, what was it, in New England, a house was burnt yeah, down. Yeah, another one burnt down because of these little hoverboards. Yeah. I mean, maybe you just have it charge outside. Just yeah. leave it out in the sun. One of the big safety tips, don't leave it plugged in overnight. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Because if it catches fire while you're asleep, you're not going to sure. be there to catch it. Just See, a thought. Just, just a thought. another great suggestion by the Matt Townsend Show. Doing what we can to help you and your hoverboard last longer. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be introducing um, a, an interview we did about, I don't know, in the middle of the summer, I believe, about a year ago, last February, about um, local crime, and especially local terrorism threats uh, with an FBI spokesperson. We'll be talking uh, in just a minute with Todd Palmer. Stick with us, folks, teaching you and giving you the tools you need to have a healthier, happier life. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. You know, with the shootings in San Bernardino, the terrorists uh, that are now known to be, uh, you know, kind of the lone wolf terrorist attacks. Also, what happened in Paris, France. All of us uh, feel a heightened sense, a heightened need uh, for more security, for more safety. We're worried about local terroristic threats. And so we wanted uh, to go back to an interview that we we had last year with a spokesperson from the FBI um, here in Salt Lake City, Todd Palmer. Is um, is who we interviewed, and and we we just we had the chance to just ask him a bunch of questions about local terroristic threats, um, also what's going on with the FBI, and and um, ask him pretty much any question we wanted to ask him. So I started this interview with Todd, uh, who's been by the way in the FBI for twenty plus years. He has worked in Las Vegas. He's also uh, been in the the FBI headquarters in Washington D.C., and he's now in Salt Lake City. Um, he's also covered several assignments in the Middle East for the FBI as well. So he's familiar with what's going on with the terroristic threats. My very first question to uh, Todd Palmer was simply, help us understand the difference between the FBI, the DEA, and the, and the ATF. What is the difference? The FBI is the largest federal law enforcement agency in the United States, and we have concurrent jurisdiction with almost every other federal law enforcement agency. In most states, we also have uh, a very limited but also uh, jurisdiction with the local law enforcement. Some states allow us to function as local police officers in those jurisdictions. Uh, we typically work with local law enforcement agencies kind of as a backstop. So if they request some assistance that we might be able to provide them, they are experts in certain areas that we might not be, and we hmm. might be experts in areas that they may not be. Yeah. Now, I noticed I saw when Osama bin Laden was captured and that whole raid went down – an FBI agent was apparently there to keep chain of command of the evidence. Is that was that accurate? The FBI has had a concurrent mission with the United States military and the Department of Defense when it comes to investigating large scale matters that might affect terrorism throughout the world in the United yeah. States. There are some FBI agents that will be assigned to do what they call uh, sensitive site exploitation. They pull evidence out. Uh, our military personnel are experts at what they do, mm -hmm. and we're very, very good at gathering evidence and taking that evidence to find uh, those little factoids that might be necessary to protect that's the United great. States. So as that's a, whole. a forte of the FBI is is information. Correct. 
and, and assessment. So um, talk to me about this as, as we kind of – to have an FBI agent here, I'm sure everybody's out there. They're hearing all of these uh, supposed kind of more homegrown attacks, um, what happened up in Canada – uh, and you know you can't talk specific on any of the specifics of any of these, but just other threats like what happened in France, where these homegrown kind of terrorists go away, work in the Middle East, learn to battle, go to war in the Middle East, but then maybe come home and threaten the homeland. We hear that on the radio, on television. Everyone's talking about that. Is that a threat? I mean, are we are we to worry about that? Those are things that we definitely need to be concerned about. The FBI has a national security program. More, most of what the National Security Program does is look at those types of threats, the threats that are in the United States, that are outside the United States that might impact the U.S. Yeah. We also have domestic terrorist investigators, and they look at those homegrown threats, people here born in the United States that are living here in the United States that may cause harm to our infrastructure, to our businesses, and to our citizens. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea, I guess, when, when um, al-Shabaab is calling an, an, for major attacks on malls of America, on the Mall of America and other shopping centers. I mean, somebody's got to cover that. So you have specific agents that follow that kind of an, a, a lead. Correct. And is it, it is, so it's real. We need to worry about it. Do we as the average citizen need to worry about it, knowing that you're worrying about it? I think it's important for everybody to be aware. We all walk around, uh, myself included, and other people, and, and say, this can't happen here. Yeah. Um, when I look for a place to live as an FBI agent, I'd like to live somewhere where it's great to raise a family and very comfortable in a quiet environment. But at the same time, I think that we need to recognize that um, it can happen here. It can happen anywhere. There is no, there is no laid out plan of this is the perfect opportunity, the perfect place for this to happen. So we as citizens also have to kind of broaden our mindset go about our daily business and do the things that we need to do, understanding that there are very, very good people protecting us and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, we need to be diligent in our day-to-day activities and make sure that we report those things that are concerning to us. And I guess, what are we supposed to look for just as the average citizen? I mean, I guess you don't want to have a false report, but I'm, and I'm sure the FBI is following up on a million reports that maybe don't matter, but it's maybe the one that does matter. What should we look for that would be suspicious that would help? I think the the biggest recommendation that I could make to people is if the, if it causes you concern, then make a phone call. Hmm. It's better to make a phone call and have it looked at and be nothing than not make a phone call at all. We get most of our information, contrary to popular belief, from individuals that call us. So when individuals call 911 and they report something to a dispatcher who then reports it to a police officer, those things get followed up on. They get investigated, and the large majority of crime gets stopped that way. It's not stopped by... Um, great investigators doing wonderful, fabulous right. things. It's stopped by concerned citizens who see something that just doesn't sit right in the communities in which they live. Huh. Is it is is terrorism our dom- and I guess domestic kind of terror? It seems like cyber attacks we're more vulnerable to. I think cyber attacks are one of the mis- most misunderstood aspects of the criminal realm right now. Well, well, talk about that. What do you mean? The the amount of damage that can be done through a very simple cyber attack is huge. Uh, the large majority of us are on some kind of technical device every single day, Yeah, really not understanding the power of that device that's in our hand, uh, the information that we put into those things. Uh, you would no sooner walk around flashing ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 out in open public, but you'll sit on a laptop computer, an iPad, telephone, and <laughs> type in all funds. of your banking right. information and do all sorts of things in open public, whether it's on mass transportation or sitting at the mall or in the movie theater. People are on these devices all of the time putting their entire life 
yeah. out for someone who has the skill and technical ability to take. That's true. And you think about just the average Joe who has no – they can't even make a strong password. Correct. And then the average you know, f- criminal that's just super skilled at this – Stealing your password. And, and people are at this all the time. When technology advances, criminal behavior advances when it comes in the technology or cyber realm. Yeah, interesting. The people that are perpetrating these crimes are every bit as bright as the individuals that are creating the software to protect the infrastructures. And, it, and the power grids and all of these other infrastructures are fairly vulnerable. I, I can't assess vulnerability. Yeah. I can just say that you, we've got individuals that are that are constantly trying to attack those facilities, and we've got individuals that are constantly trying to protect those facilities. And it's almost like a chess game mm. for a lot of these people. I, I don't know if you heard the, a news story. I'm sure you did uh, about a billion dollar bank robbers get a billion dollars out of banks. They just slowly take five dollars here, twenty dollars here, elevate bank accounts, take funds out. But just simple cyber thieves, the, basically. We get a lot of complaint calls into our office in relation to to uh, that type of crime where through the Internet, whether it's uh, an email or some kind of um, a spoofing thing on, on your, your passwords, bank accounts, and they're, they're taking $5 here, $10 there. We have people call us all the time, hey, somebody took $100 out of my bank account. Well, the large majority of people don't look at their bank accounts every day. And if they're missing $2, $3, $4, but if somebody does that on a very large scale to five, six, seven hundred people a day, Ugh. that dollar amount accumulates huge. And if you see that $2 are missing from your bank account, mm-hmm. really, you're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time going back to your bank to try to ascertain where that money went. Yeah. So these types of crimes do happen. And it's very important that we take a hard look at at our online banking yeah. um, and all of our computer-related issues and make sure that we're on top of those things because if there is something that causes you concern, you can get that rectified by calling the companies. But you should be aware of what's going on because that will help you understand if somebody might have accessed the systems that you're trying to control. It is. It's such a simple – just watch the small numbers, just the little things add up to be very big things. Let's take a break. We're talking with Todd Palmer, who is an agent with the FBI here in the Salt Lake City office and is the information officer for them in this area. We will come back. When we come back, I want to ask uh, Todd about the mafia. Now, it used to be they were the big threat, but it sounds like, in a way, maybe they're not in the game anymore. Maybe they've been outplayed by all of the cyber thieves and the, uh, the domestic terrorists and everybody else. We'll pick his brain on that. When we come back, Agent Todd Palmer from the FBI right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Awesome uh, topic right now. We have uh, FBI agent Todd Palmer is here. He's the information officer for the Salt Lake City um, field office. Has been in, uh, you know, investigations, police work for 20-plus years as an in law enforcement officer. Has served in Las Vegas, Nevada. When you think about that, just the potential historic mafia ties to the Vegas kind of crime scene and world. He he started out there with the FBI, went to D.C. as well, also served in the Middle East, had some assignments in the Middle East as well. So the cool thing about the FBI, um, they're they're pretty much into everything. It seems like at least some part of their of their system is into that. Now, I wanted to ask 
I wanted to ask Todd Palmer about, uh, first of all, welcome back, Todd. Thank you. About the mafia. We always, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, that was the story. Always chasing Capone kind of guys, always chasing the mafia. Uh, are they still around? Certainly they're still around, mostly in the major metropolitan areas, but they still exist and there are still prosecutions against them going on today. Yeah. But I guess part of this, what you're telling me and we were talking off air a little bit is it's almost it's regional, isn't it? Every region kind of has their own specific niche kind of crime. The FBI will take its time and and look at, they call it, um, not to get technical, I guess, but the the area of responsibility. Uh So each field office will look at their area of responsibility and try to pick out the crime threats that are are most prevalent in that particular area. And then they rank them and try to put their resources towards the crime problems, again, that are most prevalent in the area that they're responsible Mm -hmm. for. So one crime in, in Salt Lake City, for example, uh, may be completely different than a crime in New York City. It's yeah. Because I guess, I mean, like, yeah, if you don't have huge union kind of event or groups, if you don't have, um, like in Utah, we're not a unionized state. There's not a view, lot of union kind of work going on here. But there are a lot of, I guess, more affinity crimes, just crimes where people, you know, who are close in a church might commit crime against other people who are in the church, embezzle, steal money, whatever. Correct. So that's an affinity crime. Um, What are some other kind of regional types of crimes? Um, Drugs, of course, is a national problem, but you'll see certain types of drugs in certain communities that you wouldn't see in other ones. Yeah. Um, That's kind of uh, becoming a a gray area, which we used to see as inner city drugs have moved themselves to areas uh, where you typically wouldn't have, have expected it to be. Um, heroin, for example, is a very high uh, or very prevalent drug in the Salt Lake area. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And then, uh, I mean, all the meth labs. So you work with the DEA and share intelligence. And then sometimes I guess you have to help each other based on what you're learning. Correct. What about, um, I guess, is the threat, I'm assuming, from the Mexican kind of cartels? Are we still seeing a lot of it, a lot of push from Mexico and drugs up into the United States? Absolutely. Still, because I have a son in northern Mexico. Um, just wondering about that. But you saw the Coca Cola thing. Coca Cola may pull all of its bottlers or whatever out of the northern Mexican, you know, provinces because they've been, I guess, kidnapping Coca Cola. I, I, I did. I did see mention of that. There are uh, in foreign countries, and this is one another violation that the FBI does investigate: is any crime against a U.S. citizen mm. in a foreign country. The FBI has legal attaches in almost every country um, outside the United States. And we do liaison work with local law enforcement agencies there. So if a U.S. citizen might be kidnapped or murdered in a foreign country, the FBI will have bodies there to assist them in those investigations and also be able to provide information back here to the U.S. so we can provide that to the families of the victims. Do you, do you feel like since 9-11, we've, it just seems like we have to have so much information coming in? Do you feel like it's all being integrated pretty well? Are we, are we all talking better than ever? I would say yes. Uh, we're doing a much better job than we did prior to 9-11. We did a very, very good job then. Yeah. Uh, but now we're working together. We have more task forces, and I think that we understand the crime problem a little bit better. Uh, we have experts in various areas that we might not have had experts in prior to 9-11. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, another one that we've heard a lot of in the news are public corruption cases, like the Virginia governor and his wife. Now they're going to prison. You Are you seeing more public corruption type of crimes? I think we're uh, – uh, We've always been very aggressive in trying to look into public corruption matters. I think we're doing a better job of it now. We mm-hmm. have a better um, understanding of how it affects society in general. Um, 
I think the overall consensus in the public is that we, as public officials, should be held accountable for our actions uh, to include uh, law enforcement as well as uh, elected public officials. So that's one of our missions, and we're going to spend a lot of time and energy making sure that people that make mistakes commit crimes are held accountable for those types of behaviors. I mean, it's, it really is. You, you are into everything. Really, I guess every crime that crosses a line, a state line, is a potential FBI case? It could be. We try to look for an interstate nexus in a lot of the criminal statutes that are out there. We investigate all matters of federal law. So uh, if it's enumerated in the federal code book, we probably have an individual that investigates that particular violation. Hmm. Is is um, I know civil rights has been a really big issue when we talk about Ferguson and all that went down in Ferguson. Um, we'll talk about the civil rights kind of cases that you're that are out there and what what's your responsibility there? The FBI is a, a kind of a unique monster in that area. We're the only federal law enforcement agency that actually is by code uh, regulated to investigate law enforcement officers, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the current community fervor is, is law enforcement related when right. it comes to civil rights matters. So the FBI has a couple of statutes that we utilize when investigating, investigating law enforcement brutality type situations. We also investigate hate crimes. Most states don't have um, hate crimes laws. They have hate crimes enhancements. So somebody commits an assault against an individual because of what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be an enhancement associated with that assault. So they have a normal assault charge and then an enhancement because of a hate crime. Correct. But in the federal government, we actually have hate crimes laws that we do investigate. And they're very, very specific. One of them is called the Matthew Shepard Act. It's a very interesting, very well-written law. Uh, It's very broad in nature. Um, But what people, I think, misunderstand about what it is that the FBI does when we investigate, whether it's law enforcement officers, public officials, or hate crimes, most of the statutes that we utilize are what we call specific intent statutes, meaning that the burden of proof is very, very high. We have to be able to prove that the individual that committed the act did so with intent, Mm -hmm. with intent to to deprive someone of a enumerated civil liberty. Yeah. And and it's interesting. That seems like a really high burden of proof. It is very high. It's very difficult. Um, Most of what we do, let's say, go back to the law enforcement arena. Um, When we investigate a a law enforcement matter, we're utilizing a multitude of case law that's already been set by the Supreme Court. One of the cases that we utilize when we assess reasonableness, for example, is a case called Graham versus Connor. It came out, I believe, somewhere about 1989. And the Supreme Court essentially said, here's the reasonableness standard that we're going to utilize when we assess law enforcement use of force. Hmm. Um, and we use that. We look at that. Is it reasonable? Uh, it isn't what Todd Palmer thinks. It yeah. isn't what uh, individual yeah. on the street thinks. It's what has the Supreme Court set as a standard. And the large majority of citizens out there don't understand that these types of, of cases have already been adjudicated and case law has been set by the United States Supreme Court. The activities and actions of, of law enforcement agencies are based on those rulings. Do we have more, do we have more civil rights cases now than ever? Um, and what would lead to that? I don't know if we have more civil rights cases now than ever. I think because of the way the media portrays most cases now, there's a lot of dialogue and discussion about yeah. these types of things. So I think that's good. I think the awareness of these types of events are is out there and it's in the forefront. But there are also um, there needs to be a very good balance between what what is actually going on, what is it that law enforcement is doing, and what the standards are. Does, does it end up being um, is it political at all? I mean, I, I assume. You know, if you have a certain head of a, of a justice department, do they push different agendas? And does that just different agenda end up impacting the FBI differently? 
The neat thing about the FBI is the FBI pretty much operates autonomously from every other entity out That's there. Nice. Um, our directors uh, are appointed, but they are essentially there for 10 years. Oh, really? Uh, Director Mueller uh, yeah. was able to extend by two years. Um, he's the first FBI director that was ever, ever able to do that. But after Mr. Hoover um, left the FBI, um, all of the other directors have had a 10-year term limit. And it's supposed to be nice. autonomous from yeah. all other agencies. So we're able to operate and do the things that we need to do without a lot of outside political pressure. Yeah. In a way, we, we'd thank you because it's something that's constant. That's You know what I mean? Finally, we have something that's more constant, especially, I guess, when it comes to the need to investigate – you know, to know that it's not always politically driven is important. What do we need to know? Just as the average citizen, as we kind of wrap this up, are there things we should be doing better? Are there things that we could be doing to make sure we are safer in all these areas we've been talking about? I, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I think that, that we need to do better as a society is we need to educate ourselves on what our rights are. Uh, we live in a community of laws and rules. And a lot of times uh, we as citizens, we get upset at things we don't necessarily understand. Yeah. We in law enforcement and also in the government need to do a better job at educating individuals of, number one, what their rights are, but the associated responsibility attached to each right. It seems like over my 20-year career in law enforcement that people have have continually tried to absolve themselves of a responsibility for their behaviors and actions. Right. And we live in an incredible country with a multitude of freedoms, but each one of those freedoms has an associated responsibility attached to it. And a lot of times individuals will, will talk about what their rights and freedoms are without discussing or enumerating what their specific responsibilities yeah, right. are. And so we in government should do a much better job at educating individuals what their rights are, but what associated responsibilities they have tied into those rights. And conversely, individuals need to do a better job at educating themselves on what their rights are and what the responsibilities associated with and those rights it. are. They have to own it. They do. And they need to be held responsible. And we all need to do a much better job at holding our own selves responsible for our day-to-day -day activities. Because what I might consider freedom of speech, freedom of religion, those types of things, um, might be somewhat offensive to other people. Mm -hmm. Now, we live in a country where it's my right to have those freedoms. But at the same time, I need to assess what it is that I'm doing and how I'm behaving and own the responsibility of my actions if I'm offending another person. That's true. And be able to have a conscious uh, civil dialogue about those types of issues to evoke the changes that might need to come to create a more civil society. That's true. You may have the right to say something, but it doesn't mean it's helpful. And it doesn't mean that it's going to make others feel safer. Correct. That's powerful. Well, we appreciate you, Todd. Really, it's you're on the front lines. It's I just as in, in between the breaks, I would ask Todd a million questions, and he can't get into any specifics. But the guy knows a ton, and um, and knows a ton about every a lot of the stories you hear about, and yet can't tell everything. And none of us really know it all. So I appreciate you being willing to at least work on that lack of ability to maybe share all the detail and know too much and then still have a happy face. Um, appreciate you, Todd. Todd Palmer again here with the uh, Salt Lake City field office um, with the FBI. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
You know, uh, with that interview with Todd Palmer, it just it just brought back a lot of memories about how much, really, the responsibility is on us and um, on we're the ones that really are the front line. The FBI will get involved. They need to get involved. Except, you know, we're the ones that are paying attention, hopefully. Um, it's interesting. As the story comes out about San Bernardino, you start to see that, wow, other people knew some things. Um, but you, you can't know everything. So just pay attention. That's a little homework assignment, I guess, for all of us. to, If we want to be safer, we need to be more attentive. We also probably need to make sure we're getting the right leadership going on. So with the the big election coming up, you know, in fact, CNN, when is it this week? Is it uh, Thursday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, that's right. It is Tuesday. Um, Tuesday. Here we go. Final. uh, I guess this is good news. The final big push, the final big um, knockdown drag out before of the year for both. But the but the Democrats, the Democrats no no nope. they don't have enough fun just the GOP get to have the great uh, knockdown drag out Tuesday night which is interesting because Ted Cruz is starting to make a move in the race in Iowa at least he's taking a lead according to one poll he leads by twenty uh, something points doesn't he no oh, it's ten points ten points yeah uh, <laughs> up to twenty he has he has jumped twenty one points yeah. He well, I don't know about twenty one. He is now at thirty one percent, where where uh, Trump was at twenty one percent. Cruz was at like fifteen fifteen percent. That was so it. He had a huge jump, which seems kind of an uh, like an anomaly usually. But I don't well, know it may be, or he's he's doing something on the side. Could be. There's several reports. That one we found in the Guardian last week, and it's in the Washington Post. I think today. Yeah, Washington Post. So the Washington Post reads, Are you a relaxed leader, a stoic traditionalist, a temperamental conservative, or a true believer? Ted Cruz's campaign thinks it has a pretty good idea which category you fit into. Hmm. According to the Washington Post, Cruz's team is using psychographic targeting. Psychographic. Yes, to win over voters. It's a kind of science developed by statisticians and behavioral psychologists that tailors campaign messages to individuals based on their psychological labels. Hmm. Cruz's campaign reportedly uses data from Facebook, its Cruz Crew app, and surveys to build enhanced voter files containing data points like a person's magazine subscriptions and food preferences, all of which lead the campaign to create a label for a voter that is similar to a modified Myers-Briggs personality test. Wow. What's a Myers-Briggs personality test? So it basically identifies, you know, your style of, of gathering information. Are you more introverted, extroverted? Um, what else is it? Um, anyway, but it, the whole idea is eventually you can figure out this little equation to who you are and how you should relate to other people. So he's so he's out there trying to figure out the the audience, the voters and he's categorizing them yes. and then he I guess sends specialized messages to each group. Now do the people that are being evaluated by him, do they know they're being evaluated psychographically? No. And that's where it's drawing some red flags. Ted. Cruise. This is part of an aggressive new voter targeting operation through uh, it's a place called Cambridge Analytica, uh, affiliated with that with uh, with Cambridge, uh, financially supported by reclusive head fund magnate, the leading Republican donor Robert Mercer, who is the 
I guess every candidate has a billionaire in their pocket, and that's Ted Cruz's billionaire. <laughs> yeah. It's now uh, so-called psychographic profiles, U.S. citizens, in order to help Cruz win votes, despite earlier concerns and red flags from potential survey takers. Documents seen by The Guardian have uncovered longstanding ethical and privacy issues about the way academics hoover up all personal data by uh, accessing a vast set of U.S. Facebook profiles in order to build sophisticated models of users' personalities without their knowledge. Mm. In the race to advance data-driven electioneering strategies pioneered by uh, the success of uh, Obama campaigns, Cruz has turned to Cambridge Analytica for its unparalleled offering of psychological database based on treasure trove of Facebook likes, allowing it to match individual traits with existing voter data sets. So as you go on Facebook and you, you participate in surveys and, and do all these different fun things yeah. that you can, you can do on Facebook, part of what you're doing is letting whoever set up that quiz know your preferences. Interesting. And so if these people at this uh, Cambridge Analytica set up enough of those and they can target enough voters, they can try to figure out exactly who you are. And then Cruz can figure out how he can send a message directly to you so you will well, vote for him. Well, it sounds like spying. There's no rules on this because well, it, it's new. I thought Ted was against yeah. the NSA and well, spying. Well, I don't know. He also talked about expanding NSA last week too. Well, maybe that's – maybe we just need to expand Facebook. Maybe because may, – I mean we're, we're all worried about our personal – uh, information and privacy, but we just put everything on Facebook. But once you're categorized, then they could actually send the right message to you, the appropriate message to you. So like Myers-Briggs is, are you an extrovert, an introvert, a sensor, or intuitive? Do you think or do you feel? Do you judge? Do you perceive? And then once it's pegged you, then we could just customize messages. Oh, that little rascal, Ted Lamar Cruz. I don't know his middle name. So Lamar. Lamar is the name I always Lamar works. Name. It sounds Canadian enough. <laughs> it's a Canadian <laughs> Poor guy. Because Cruz would be the Cuban. Yeah. So you got to probably get both. He's a Cuban Canadian. That's the worst type. He's Donald Trump's going to pull this out. Yeah, he'll he, he'll use it. He uses everything. Well, yeah, he's chomping at the bit. Something's going to happen. And Ted even backed off. Ted keeps backing off. Like, hey, let's just. Apparently, there was some sort of Twitter conflict between yeah. the two campaigns last night. So. Well, but the conflict was weird because it was more about he used a. He used a reference from a 1980s movie, um, Maniac. The main oh, Flashdance. Oh, Flashdance. Okay. He used the Maniac. So. Right. I mean, Ted's just trying to, like he said in the thing that was so offensive. He said, "I'm just giving him a great big bear hug. Just keep, just keep Trump close." Yeah. But he may not be fit to lead. But you keep you keep that kind of person close to you. Yeah. You don't want him. So out of you. the Obama campaign did the, did this type of data. Yeah, they were they were brilliant in managing all kinds their of data. compliments. People yeah. loved it. The problem was there's no rules on privacy on how far any company can go in gathering personal information off, say Facebook. Mm. Well, that means if you're you you know you got to be careful. Yeah, be careful what you post. So if you, you if put you're very, especially if you're really politically active, because then you're going to be answering more of these surveys and questionnaires. But there, remember, they know who you are. They know where you live. They know how to get your vote. There's going to be some sad, you know, 25 year old kid that they're going to wake up in the middle of the night, and Ted's going to be like, "You need to go vote today. <laughs> we know all about you." 
he's going to have a hoverboards agenda. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. because that's what you care about. That's right. You know, and that, that's what that is. Is they'll find out you love hoverboards, so he'll come out with an opinion on hoverboards. Interesting. They'll send something to you to try to motivate you to go vote. It's amazing the technology that's being used. It's also when you think of somebody like uh, Jeb Bush who went through so much money. Was Jeb not doing this? I don't know. I, I the reports are that uh, Jeb has gone through somewhere upwards of thirty million plus so wow. far. Just I mean, on he, ads and things, and he's for got, two states. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like a five percent. He's polling or less. Holy cow! Constantly, yeah. so yeah. Jeb needed Ted's people. Ted's very well organized. So that if you think Ted Cruz isn't in for the duration, you got to hang on because he's very very well organized. Wow, interesting stuff politically. Let's um, take a break. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show in the can. We'll come back next hour. More ideas, more tools. We're going to be talking to. Uh, some business leaders about, uh, you know, how do you build a culture? What are some phrases? What are some questions you need to be asking and saying to your people to build a better culture? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. I believe there's a strain of goodness running through the songs of each decade, each style that comes along. Join Ron Simpson on the Tantera Hour, where he shares all types of good music. As we've explored the music of all styles and all decades, I've just realized I've probably neglected the pop music of the 90s. And Ron will also introduce you to some music you've never heard of. Then to finish off today, there's a kind of a party song called... The Tantara Hour, weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. When you walk around as elite performers, do you hear and see the world a bit differently? Dean Duncan brings you engaging and culturally expansive conversations about film, books, art, and pretty much everything else. TV and movies, and this has been quite a while now, may have displaced the theater in terms of being central. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say. Tune into This Will Take a While at 4 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Talk about good. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Hello, this is Charles Carroll with the BBC News. The International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda has delivered its final judgments on those behind the 1994 genocide. The court confirmed guilty verdicts on six people for crimes against humanity. The UN opened the court in the Tanzanian city of Arusha to prosecute key suspects in the Rwandan genocide. A spokesman for the tribunal, Danford Mpumilwa, said that it had forced many high-profile figures to face justice. You look at the group of people being arrested here. You find most of them were very senior and powerful individuals from the prime minister. Out of about 19 senior cabinet ministers, we managed to arrest about 12, 13 of them, senior commanders of the army. These were powerful individuals, and they were roaming around the world, scheming to destabilize Rwanda. Aid workers have expressed concern that Burundian nationals fleeing continuing violence are being targeted in refugee camps in neighboring Rwanda. The agency, Refugees International, says Burundian armed forces are circulating armed groups are recruiting refugees, including children. The agency says those who refuse to enlist are often threatened or physically assaulted. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has vowed to reduce the number of migrants coming to Germany as she defended her open-door refugee policy to her own party. In an unusually impassioned speech, Mrs Merkel said that Germany had averted a humanitarian disaster when it briefly opened the country's borders to migrants. The world 
und Europa. The world and Europe were dealing with the biggest flight of refugees since the Second World War. Something that was very distant from us, that we have seen on television, is now literally at our front door. That is a historic litmus test for Europe. I would like, we would like, Europe to pass this litmus test. Diese Bewährungsprobe besteht. A senior Saudi commander and an officer from the United Arab Emirates have been killed in fighting in Yemen. The commander is said to be the head of Saudi special forces there. Sebastian Usher reports. The two officers were killed near one of the fiercest front lines of the war in Yemen, the battle for the city of Tyres. They've been named as the Saudi, Colonel Abdullah al-Sahyan, and Sultan al-Qutbi, an officer with the Emirati forces. The Saudi-led coalition has been fighting to restore the Yemeni president, Abdurrabu Mansur Hadi, since the spring. It's driven the Houthis and their allies out of much of southern Yemen, but even those areas remain unstable. Long-delayed peace talks are due to start on Tuesday, and a temporary ceasefire is meant to begin tonight. But previous attempts at ceasefires have proved abortive. An Iraqi security source says that IS fighters have launched a number of counterattacks in the city of Ramadi, which government forces are trying to recapture. The source said that IS carried out five suicide car bombings in the north of the city, killing more than 20 Iraqi soldiers and pro-government fighters. World News from the BBC. A police bus has fallen off a bridge in the north of Argentina, killing at least 40 people and injuring several others. The bus was carrying at least 60 people, mostly border policemen, when it came off the road near the town of Rosario del Fuente. Officials in Mexico say 60 people have been arrested in Latin America, the United States and Spain over alleged links to a ring circulating images of child sex abuse. Here's our Latin American editor, Vanessa Buschluter. The Mexican government said almost 100 raids had been carried out in 12 countries. A government commission said in a statement that three girls aged between 9 and 15 were rescued in Mexico. A fourth girl was rescued as part of the operation, but the commission did not say in which country. Officers also seized computers that were allegedly used to post indecent videos on the Internet. Nigerian troops in the northwestern town of Zaria have been removing the bodies of about 20 Shia Muslims killed at the weekend when soldiers stormed the compound of a sect leader, Sheikh Ibrahim Zakzaki. A spokesman for the sect said among those killed were Sheikh Zakzaki's wife and son. Sheikh Zakzaki himself was taken away by soldiers. The government of Bangladesh has announced the unblocking of all social media platforms and internet-based communication systems. It amounts to a hurried reversal of an order made just hours earlier to ban services including Twitter and Skype for security reasons. A similar ban on Facebook was lifted four days ago after complaints from business. And the draw has been made for the last 16 in the Football Champions League. The reigning European champions, Barcelona, have been drawn against Arsenal. Their fellow Londoners, Chelsea, will play Paris Saint-Germain for the third consecutive season. Former winners, Juventus and Bayern Munich, will play each other, while ten times champions, Real Madrid, were drawn against AS Roma. Manchester City will play the Ukrainian side, Dinamo Kiev. And that's the latest BBC News. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this show to give you the information, the tools you need 
to grow a healthier, happier life, to live longer, love stronger. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Happy Monkey Day. Monkey Day. Yeah, a day yeah. for monkeying about. Monkey Day is celebrated across the world by acting like monkeys. Seems sort of thin on the important days of the year. Yeah, I think it is. So, I guess it's, it has a more serious undertone about raising awareness of the theory of evolution, medical research, and animal rights. It was more fun just but when it, it was Monkey Day. But it leads with monkeying around. Right. Okay. It's also Green Monday. Green Monday is an online retail industry term similar to Cyber Monday. The term was coined by eBay to describe its best day uh, sales days in December, usually the second Monday of December. Green Monday is defined more specifically as the Monday with at least 10 days prior to Christmas. I was telling you a few – like last week, I think, there was a article I read where basically every Monday – this is in the retail industry. Every Monday and every weekend in December leading up to Christmas has a, a name. Oh, really? Because like it's, there's Cyber yeah, Monday. Cyber Monday, Green Monday. Green Monday. And then the weekends have different names too. Wow. Um, depicting, I, I guess, the importance to their bottom line. I guess that's what all yeah. this comes down to. Well, this is that's interesting because it seems like Christmas used to just be about Christ. Well, n- unless you're trying to make your bottom line for the quarter and you're in retail and you run a big company and you're trying to yeah make sure everyone has you know yeah i do can pay for so uh we we had two hours between basketball games with my children saturday saturday and we happened to have most of our children in the car so we went shopping what i call black dark saturday yes it removes your soul yeah yeah we we because we have kids. They're all they're buying presents for their cousins, and anyway, we drew names, and we each just took kids around Walmart and bought little five dollar gifts. And I felt really dirty after. So taking part in that, yeah, it was just it was just weird. Yeah, it's like what are we doing here? <laughs> These people are mad. Just uh. You 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 have opportunities during the week. Well, I think it's no? shopping altogether. Just shopping. It wouldn't matter where I went. I've always enjoyed when working. I've worked in morning radio for a decade at least. Yeah, and it always gives me about two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday to go shopping during Christmas. See that? No one's there. That would be nice. Except shopping, it's just I don't know. It just, I I just want to go take my family on a trip. Well, yeah, you just don't like shopping. Yeah, it's not exactly. Shopping at Christmas. No, it's just shopping. It's just shopping. Shopping anywhere, at any time, at any place. <laughs> so why'd you go? Why don't you just sit in the car? Well, I was about to, but then... You could throw on a Mount Townsend podcast and <laughs> listen to how great you are. No. I'd rather probably shop. Okay. <laughs> but um, I, my kids, we were, it was a family event. So it was fun to be with my son. My okay. little son, we walked around, Josh and I. And we bought stuff for the people he's supposed to buy stuff for. But then you're like, let's just get him this. And in my head, he's not going to want that this longer than a week. Yeah. So, oh, okay. It's worth a week. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> when you're buying something that – then you try well, to be thoughtful. We bought some gifts for my my nephews have birthdays in the middle of November. Hmm. So we, ha- we, we bought them both a gift. One is 
eight and one is now six. Yeah. So the toys that they play with are pretty close. Right. So when we buy one gift for this guy and one gift for this guy, they both open the gifts because they do the joint birthday party. They both open their gifts, look at each other, and switch gifts. So whatever we That's just got perfect. them. They so you, just, but your odds went up dramatically. So it doesn't matter because all their toys, and they have two younger brothers too, all those toys go into a big pile and they just yeah. go nuts. It doesn't yeah. matter whose toys what. They all play with everything. See, that's what's great is you need that. Then you, you're going to win no matter what. See, yeah. My problem is I, I'm buying for kids that are I don't know what to get them. Yeah. Like my nephews and nieces. They're smart. Gift cards. Then they can get what they want. Yeah, but see, but they're really big into the thought of it. To say I really thought about not getting you something <laughs> horrible for Christmas. Yeah, they, that's what I do. They're more that would be more offensive. They want you to like really know their kids. Oh, they're, they're, ma- they're making Christmas tough. I know. <laughs> you want me to get to know your? Okay, let me get this straight. You want me to get to know your kids before I buy them a present? My wife told me last night. Next Saturday, we have to go Chris, get our gift cards for all all the adults that we get gift, yeah. gifts for. We don't buy them gifts anymore. This is weird. Because like then, if, then everybody could just like you may as well just hand each other everybody cash. Cuz if you buy a gift card, you might be forcing them to go to a location well, that they We don't find want out to. what store they like to go to. Why don't you just hand them cash? Because that's really impersonal. That is so impersonal. <laughs> we instead and like to have a here's charge Here's a piece fee. of plastic that makes you go to a certain location. <laughs> that way I thought about you because I know that you have a house. Write them so, a check. Home that Depot. way you're signing your name to it and you're yeah. like, hey, this is for Plus me. Plus you could write a cute little note on we it. We could do it. Yeah. Thinking about you. They don't come with nice Christmas ornamentation on the actual yeah. card. Yes, yeah. Yeah, those look nice. A little tree, some snow. Yeah. That's horrible. What's happening? To this crazy time of year. Well, my wife doesn't want to buy like a decorative piece for someone's house because she doesn't know if they want to display it. Right. She doesn't want to buy them something they just put in a room somewhere. You know, I you know what is a perfect gift? I just found out. What's that? I heard it on the radio. But it's a it's a picture frame <laughs> that you can upload your pictures to. Yeah. Anytime you want. They're great. And I'm just thinking you just go get one for grandma, grandpa. Yeah, my, and I went and looked them up and they're hundreds of dollars. My my mom like, and mother in law have one, I believe. Do they the ones that you can upload like just through the Yeah. It's like it's like a hundred and fifty. Well no, bucks. You, you can load, load them on a flash drive oh, yeah, and no. plug them in the side. Yeah, those are way. yeah, the, no, these are the ones that any then you just change your pictures for yeah. grandmas and grandpas. You never have to even visit grandma and grandpa. Oh. You just change their pictures. Until it breaks and they call you. I can't get my <laughs> I'm out of batteries. My mom gets mad at the moment when I don't upload to our family. We have a family photo stream. Yeah. And if I don't upload photos regularly to that, I get a phone call. See. Are there any new photos? No, I, no not, not really. Not yet, Mom. Not yet. We'll, that hey, would we'll... be my worst nightmare. I never take pictures. I'm not yeah. a photo documentarian. Oh. Well, you know, that's when you get married. Your wife will take pictures. I sure hope so. By the so. way, Elf on the Shelf, we were worried that he was on strike. He's he's not. He's Did back. you find him? We didn't find him. He oh. found us. Oh, okay. He just showed up. That's right. He moves. But he was creepy. When just, you're not looking. He showed up in my kid's room, <laughs> like just sitting like on their television. Wow. I mean, they don't have a television, but on their game system. Right. And Interesting. It was, it was creepy. Well. But they were very excited. Now, I have to still talk to the elf. Like, I want to know where he was. And he owes me about, I don't know, 13 days. 14 days. He's been slacking. Wow. So I, I'm hoping that he'll go well into January, elfing on shelving. Was he Was he called in back to the home office? I don't know. He didn't tell me. 
have some emergency elfing business. It's kind of like business. the guy that just shows up at work that's been gone like for two weeks, and yeah. then he just shows up and doesn't say, say anything. No hi, no how you doing. Yeah. So I got to talk to him. All right. I'll let you know. Let us know what happens with the elf that <laughs> yeah. is now on whatever shelf. Yeah, he's not even on shelf. He's shelfless. He's shelfless? He's a shelfless elf. <laughs> scary, scary. Let's uh, get to the headlines, Terry. Anything going on around the world we need to pay attention Absolutely. To? Thanks, Matt. In the wake of a new poll showing Ted Cruz with a stunning leap to first place in Iowa, Donald Trump is now going on the attack against his one-time friend. Hey, look, I don't be- think he's qualified to be president because I don't think he has the right temperament. I don't think he's got the right judgment. You look at the way he's dealt with the Senate, where he goes in there like a, you know, frankly, like a little bit of a maniac. You're never going to get things done that way. So he's a maniac now. Well, yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) By the way, who who would know better? Who knows maniac? If Trump is a maniac. Right. It might it might not be that that clean cut. We'll figure that out. Photos taken just before a deadly deputy involved shooting in Los Angeles on Saturday show that the suspect, Nicholas Robertson, 28 years old, was armed with a handgun, and he did not let it go even after he fell to the ground, L.A. Sheriff, LA County Sheriff's Department officials said on Sunday. The Sheriff's Department played the video during a press conference that they said showed the suspect walking down a busy street in Linwood, California, waving a forty five caliber gun. Six to seven shots were fired into the air minutes before the deputy-involved shooting, said officials. The sheriff's department also displayed photographs that clearly showed the suspect was holding a gun. The uh, sheriff's deputies shot 33 bullets, they said. They're not sure how many actually hit the suspect, but he fell to the ground, and he still had the gun in his hand as he was crawling across the street. So that's the problem is, at what point do you stop, and the guy keeps moving with a gun? Is he a threat? Yeah. Uh, and so it's uh, it's a horrible situation. It'll uh, it'll continue to turn it. You know, information will come out as the investigation continues. Mitt Romney on Saturday did his best to squelch talk of a secret plan to again nominate him for president at next year's Republican National Convention in Cleveland. He said, "Please let me know who's doing that, and I'll have a word with them." I am not running, Romney said after officially endorsing uh, John McCain's <laughs> re-election campaign at a rally in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah, he can't get everyone to believe him. BuzzFeed News reported Thursday on a secret plan by wealthy donors and diehard loyalists to nominate him on the convention floor. That's what we're talking about, a brokered convention and chaos. You know what they ought to do is ask Donald what he thinks about that. Yeah. What do you think? Should Romney run? What do you (laughs) think? This is a story I I found. uh, I remember this from a year ago. thought it was actually quite interesting how this actually happened a texas plumber whose truck infamously ended up in the hands of jihadists is suing a car dealership for more than a million dollars in houston at issue the dealership's failure to remove a decal bearing the name and phone number of the texas city man's business which he says destroyed his livelihood and resulted in ongoing shock fear anxiety mental anguish humiliation and degradation after a photo of his truck in Syria was widely circulated. In the suit filed last week, Mark Oberhoser of Mark One Plumbing claims that as he he traded in his 2005 Ford F-250 in October 2013, he began to remove the decal, but a salesman said to let them handle it. The suit traces the pickup's journey from a local auto auction in Mersin, to Mersin, Turkey. At some point, it entered Syria, as evidenced by a photo in the vehicle in Aleppo, oh. tweeted last December by some militants. The photo showed the truck now outfitted with an anti-aircraft weapon, with plaintiff's <laughs> logo and phone number still clearly visible on the door of the truck. Oh, that is so sad. <laughs> 
So the guy said he's, he's watching the news and he's like, hey, that's my truck. What's, you know, and they're sitting there with the big anti-aircraft guy. Is that back. where Jim was? Did then, Jim go to Syria? And then there's all these questions of how do these, uh, their, their Ford trucks, Toyota trucks, all these trucks keep getting into Syria. Oh, yeah. Because supposedly they've stopped all, you know, allegedly you can't get anything in there, but they're getting all these trucks. And I always new. wonder where all the old trucks went. Not necessarily Syria. old. They're yeah. rolling around in tundras and all kinds of wonderful four-wheel drive vehicles. Amazing. And finally, today the United States Postal Service is expecting to process hundreds of millions of cards, letters, and packages over the course of this holiday season. 15.5 billion pieces of mail will be sent worldwide. Already, postal workers are delivering packages seven days a week across the country. For arrival by Christmas, this is important information. Officials recommend sending by December 22nd via priority mail or by 23rd for express shipping. Really? I'd recommend shipping now and not waiting yeah. until the week of Christmas. Why are you playing yeah, why are you playing with fire? So Someone's to, gonna get burnt. Today is supposed to be their busiest mailing day of the year. Sheesh. Well, and luckily, at least in the western United States, there's some snow. To make it all the more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting stuff, folks. Well, what do you do? Next time? When you turn, trade your car in, make sure you uh, take off any identifying stickers if you don't want them to go to Syria. We are going to take a break, folks. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking with um, A.J. Agrawal, who is uh, an executive uh, CEO of Alumnify, a company that he headed um, that's uh, designed to basically build kind of a bridge between alumni of universities and places and uh, and other organizations and companies. He's going to be talking to us about an article he wrote called Five Phrases Every Leader Should Overuse, giving you some leadership advice um, coming from a startup kind of dot com. Anyway, interesting stuff, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we talk about it a lot on the show. Um, there's just a, a lot of people that aren't necessarily engaged in the workplace. They uh, Gallup poll has about 70% of people, they say, are disengaged, meaning so only 25% of the workers out there are actively, anxiously kind of engaged in doing their work. They enjoy it. It's part of their identity. And so uh, throughout this hour, we're going to be just talking about different tools and ideas, uh, information that might help you get more people on board. But, you know, just for example, the other day, I I feel like I love what I do. I love my job. I love um, how it kind of connects to who I am, my identity. But it's it's hard. It's hard, you know, to know – to to always be up, to always do your, you know, your best at work – and to to be engaged. So sometimes you just need to take a sick day, right? But you you don't you don't always, you know, you're not always sick. So is it called a health day? They really need another name for it. You, you don't want to feel guilty pretending like you're sick. Um but uh, there are um a few little bits of advice that were on today's uh the today show employees top 10 absurd excuses for missing work, right? This actually also comes from CareerBuilder.com, and today Money was featuring it. Um, when you think about it, you need an excuse. If you need some excuses to miss work, 
over the next few days. Here's some excuses for you. Number one, uh, your empl- uh, one employee claimed that his grandmother poisoned him with a ham. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to make it to work today because grandma'am killed me with a ham. Poisoned him with a ham. Another uh, excuse used was an employee was stuck under their bed. It was the darndest thing. I just woke up. You know, I woke up. And you know you wake up and you're under your bed? Well, I woke up under my bed and I was stuck. Are you going to buy that? Can you imagine being the manager, the leader of these people? Uh, Another employee broke his arm reaching to grab a falling sandwich. Now, that's easy to test, right? You just grab his arm. Twist it a little bit. If he screams, he's telling the truth. Another uh, excuse people use um, is one employee said the universe, the universe was just telling me to take a day off. I think Garrett used that excuse yesterday or Monday or yeah Friday. I I was was I I think I was here Friday. Yeah, you I were was Friday. Here Friday. I think you said that you told me the universe was telling you to take the day off on Monday. Which was today. But I didn't listen. You didn't listen to the So universe. I don't know what the dire consequences of that will be. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. We'll I'll see let you know. Well, maybe I won't. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let the listeners know. Yeah. It's probably best that way. Man. Another employee's wife uh, found out he was cheating, so he had to spend the day retrieving his belongings from the dumpster. Where have you been, Joe? Uh, Stacy found out about the girl thing. So I've been digging through the dumpster looking for You know, he wouldn't have been caught if he, if he actually wasn't cheating and his wife thought he was, but she, they found out that his truck was in Syria. I was like, oh, that's where you've been. That's where you've been. I've been doing some plumbing in Syria. Hey, another employee poked herself in the eye while combing her hair. Ouch. Ugh. That's smart. There's a lot of ways. These are all excuses, folks, that you can use. If you need some, let us help you. Get excuses for how you can miss work. Um, another employee said his wife put all of his underwear in the washer. Ah, oh, Jim, I'd love to come in today, but my wife put all my underwear in the washer. So we're just waiting for it to dry. And then she went to work. I have no idea what to do now. Well, why don't you put them in the dryer, Jim? What? Put them, just, just take them out of the washer and just stick them in the dryer. I, that that's not my place. I don't, I don't, I don't my, know. My I wife's don't, not even here. I don't I, even know. I don't, I don't even know how to do that. Which one's the dryer? <laughs> oh, that's sad. Another employee said that the meal he cooked for the department potluck didn't turn out well. Can't come into work today because you know how we're having that Christmas potluck party. Ugh. I burnt my macaroni and cheese, so I'm not coming in. I feel really bad. Another employee was going to the beach because the doctor said she needed more vitamin D. These are all excuses for how to take, you know, maybe you just need to say, I just need a wellness day. I'm taking a wellness day. You don't need to make up an excuse. I, I'm going to the beach. My doctor said I am way low in vitamin D and uh, and saline. I need more saline in my diet. You mean salt water? Yeah. How about uh, this one? The employee said her cat was stuck inside the dashboard of her car. That's a real thing, though. Yeah, sure it is. No, really. My grandma had a cat crawl up into the, the yeah. engine of a car. And... So drive, so what? Drive to work. Well, What's when the tufts of fur start coming out from under the hood. <laughs> What's the worst thing that happens? Yeah, that cat will never go up there again. That's true. It also lost part of its tail. Did it? See? Yeah. See? 
You live and learn, right? Well, the bad part is then your car smells like cattail forever. That's true. When it heats up. Ugh. Yeah, don't don't go there. Anyway, uh, if you need more excuses, maybe the best excuse is just to go talk to people and say, you know, I'm really uh, – I just need a little sick day today. They're all just excuses. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, give you some more ideas, uh, more information about how you can engage and re-engage with your employers. Folks, at some point, we got to get motivated, don't we? It's not enough to just keep, you know, pretending like you're there to work and that you're excited about it. At some point, let's actually get engaged. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, with the latest research showing that about 70% of us do not feel actively engaged in our job or our work, it's costing your employer, it's costing you probably even more importantly, a lot of time, a lot of energy it's and frustration. And so wanted to give you some tools, especially at this holiday time, you know, you're going to have maybe a little time off coming up. It might be a, a great opportunity for you to reevaluate what's going on. If you don't like your life and you're in a funk, then it's time to, to do something, right? So, you know, it's easy too at this time of year to, to get into that malaise and you can't make any big decisions because we got to get to Christmas and then New Year's and then, you know, then you'll, then you'll get back to work. But uh, funk... Many call it the funk, but it really stands for feeling unusually negative or cranky. So if in your work you're feeling unusually negative or cranky, um, then we, we got to do something different. And at your work, one of the things that I guess I'm going to just suggest about five points to help you get reengaged in your work and your workplace. Um, first little tool, okay? Distract your way out of it. These are, these are, we all kind of fall into the rut of just the, that, you know, not being emotionally there for our job. So let's try to distract our way out of it. You know, exercise, meditation, journaling, watching a comedy, reading books, scriptures, doing something different, spending time with your loved ones. I mean, maybe a simple distraction from your work, maybe some sleep, might help. Now, if you find yourself con- totally consumed with di- being distracted and trying to distract your way out of it, then y- you're, you're in a hole. You got a bigger problem, right? So if, if you have to go to work and distract yourself at work just to make it through your day of work, then we probably need to dig deeper. But figure out ways to, to make your job more fun. Figure out ways to, to not, I mean, still get results, but try it a different way. Maybe this is the time of year when you can try different ways to do your type of job. Mix it up a bit. Um, for example, I know people that because 
the expectations sometimes change around the holidays, right, at their workplace because so many people are coming and going. It's harder to reach people. This might be the the time of year that you're cleaning out your desk, you're straightening stuff up, you're looking through your files, you're reorganizing your systems. Find a way to distract your way into a change, especially if you could find a change. So ask yourself, what's something I could be doing right now that would make dramatic impact or change on my job starting in January? What's something I could do right now? Don't wait to change it till January. Start changing it now if you're already knowing that you're kind of having a difficult Christmas season anyway. I remember working on a sales floor once where there were times I was the only one on the floor because everyone else was on vacation. They'd all taken their time. And I sat there and I thought, well, I guess this isn't fair. How come everyone else is having Christmas? But we would we would have fun the rest of the sales force we would we'd still be making our calls we'd still be doing our stuff we were young we were it was fun it was interesting but we'd watch movies while we worked and we could still get work done we're still there we i uh, did a little startup company uh once where every night we would all come home from our other jobs and go to someone's basement to do this incredibly powerful new startup opportunity and it was amazing to me how hard we would work because we were all so engaged, even though we weren't getting enough sleep and we weren't connected. But while we were there, we were still watching movies and having fun. There's power when you're engaged. And I think a lot of us just think, uh, I'm already disengaged, so how do I re-engage? Some way you got to connect it to your deeper purpose, right? What are you about? What is your overall purpose, your mission? What motivates you? What drives you? What do you want your grandkids to say about you and your job? I had a grandfather that was a poor miner, just a poor guy, and he grew a multi-multi-million dollar business, and it makes me super proud of him. He could have, you know, he was uneducated. I think he was educated to maybe the sixth grade. And he grew a business. But one of the big motivators for him was to have a better life for his family. So sometimes if your job isn't quite cutting it, then what that usually means is that we need to probably make it a little more stressful for you. That sounds horrible, I know, but a little bit more difficult. If your job is becoming too easy for you, then you're going to get bored. So we need it to be interesting for you, but we also need it to be challenging. So ask yourself, is your job interesting to you? If it's not interesting to you, then we probably need to find a way to make it more interesting. And we need to probably find a way to make it challenging. When something isn't interesting for us and it's not challenging for us, we usually get pretty bored. So what can you do today to make your job more interesting? You know, is there something new you can go learn? Is there a new technique you need to go learn? If you're a machinist, is there something that you used to be passionate about doing as a machinist that you don't do anymore because you're too busy working? Is it not challenging enough? Then maybe what you could do is just simply increase your goals, set your goals a little higher, try to have more output for your sake, or increase your quality, you know, or go learn a new technique again. 
is there a new way to do something? Is do you need to take a couple of days off and go learn how to, you know, go to a class, go to a training? Every single human being, as long as we're being uh as long as we find what we're doing interesting and the challenge level is going up, most of us are going to stay fairly engaged. It's when those things go away that we start to slide a bit. Another question you could ask yourself if you're feeling like you're disengaged from your work is Am I using my unique talents, my gifts, and my abilities? Am I using what I can uniquely bring to life? You know, it seems that's kind of the logical part of your job. But there are very interesting things you bring that no one else can bring to the game. If all you're doing is pushing buttons, then you might not feel like you're using your gifts and your talents. At some point, yeah, Garrett's like, that's me. But it's very real. It's very real because you get stuck in your routine. And I mean, sometimes I remember running a teleprompter for the news industry when I was in college. And I sat there thinking, this is horrible. I can do more than scroll up on a teleprompter. And it would be easy if I thought that I was going to spend the rest of my days of my life running a teleprompter. That would have been hard. But I knew I had other talents, other gifts, other abilities. So ask yourself, what are your talents, gifts, and abilities? If you're going to sit down and just veg and just kind of get through your day, then you may as well start making a list at work today for what are your unique talents? What are your gifts? If you don't know, ask people. Really, ask people because there are people around you that that know that, you know, if you weren't there, it wouldn't be half as fun. Or if you weren't there, it wouldn't be half as interesting. You always bring in this interesting idea. But if your talents, your strengths, your and your abilities aren't being brought to the game, then guess what? You're probably struggling. So another way to re-engage is get your talents in the game. As long as they're not in the game you're going to probably not be as interested. So are you doing something you're interested in and are you engaged? Are you engaged and are you using your talents and your gifts? Now, I have people all the time say, well, that's just, it's easy for you, Matt, to say your talents and your gifts, but I mean, you, you've got whatever gifts. But some people don't feel like they know what their gifts are. They don't know what their talents are. One of the things you might want to be thinking about, if you don't truly know what your talents and your gifts are, then maybe you you need to go explore that. There are a lot of websites um, about strengths, and um, and there's a there's an entire series of books that actually came from the Gallup organization about leading from your strength. So if you just looked up strengths and talents assessments and Googled it, you're going to come up with some pretty cool work. And the research shows that the most advanced, kind of the most engaged people are the people that are working where they have strengths, where they have talents, working, taking a talent and growing a talent. Now, a strength is, and everyone's got strengths, but you kind of have to be willing to work on it. There is a wonderful um, assessment that I'll I'll find for you here that is um, that is all about. Uh, it's from Penn State University, 
and it's uh, it's by the it's basically it's on the happiness project and it ends up talking to there's a website called authentichappiness.com and it's a study out of Penn State that talks about what makes people truly happy and engaged and if you go there to the website authentic happiness you can go to the questionnaires and when you go to the questionnaires you can take what's called the VIA character strengths test and it takes about i don't know it took a long time like 45 minutes to answer these questions again the we'll put the website up on our um twitter feed authentichappiness.com is the website and go look for the VIA survey of character strengths and when you take this assessment all you got to do is just sign in give me a username and a password then you answer about – I think it's about 240 questions. It takes about 45 minutes. It's one of the most important things I think I've ever uh, done as far as understanding my strengths. And it basically lists for me uh, my top 25 strengths. And these are character strengths. So these are – this isn't like he can throw a baseball you know, straight on a line for 45 feet. But the strength is more of a character strength like – Social intelligence, like hard work, like uh, wisdom, perception. And you fill out this assessment and it identifies your top five strengths and ranks them all the way to your bottom 20. So one to 25. And it is the most powerful thing because now – and the research gets into this about, about you know, the happiness research, but really more research about um, positive psychology shows that people that work from their strengths are happier. A lot of us are trying to be the whole person, right? We want to have everything. We want to have 150,000 gifts and talents. But the research shows instead of maybe trying to improve your bottom five, why don't you work from your top five and just do what you do best? So without ever having taken the strengths assessment – I always kind of knew what my strengths were. One of them, I knew I could relate to people. I knew I socially was intelligent. I could understand how to understand and move people. But I also knew that I had a love of learning. I knew that I had a really strong spiritual side. I knew that I was uh, fairly intuitive and I could read people pretty well. Okay, now, what, so what job should that person do? Well, it, when I took an assessment as a child, they told me I should be a pastor. I should be in the paid clergy. So I knew I should be a pastor. Problem is I'm LDS. And the LDS don't have a paid clergy. Ugh, blasted. I chose the church that has no paid clergy. So I was stuck. And then it also said you also might do well in the, you know, like in the FBI. And then I'm like, I don't know. Seems kind of violent. I didn't know that I wanted to be chasing criminals my whole life. So, but over time, I knew what my strengths were, and I just kind of kept going to them, and I kept going to them, and I kept going to them, and it motivated me. And then I eventually found kind of the the coaching world, the training world, the development world, and then I built my own curriculum and my own content. And I found my engagement came not from just being totally happy and peppy and engaged, it came from the fact that I was magnifying my talents and my strengths. I also learned in that study what my lowest strengths were. Like one of my lowest is um, 
Self-discipline. Okay? Is that one? Yeah, self-discipline. And I think self-control. Not it's 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 like they had another name for it, but it's but self-discipline was simply like I'm probably not going to be self-motivated. I'm not probably going to drive myself to uh, you know to go to the gym every day. It's not I'm, I'm not very good at that. So, but what I did notice is uh, because I'm I could take my top strengths of like social intelligence, um, that I could build a pretty good practice in my company of, of coaching and working with couples and clients. And that enabled me to actually have an assistant that could manage my schedule and my discipline. And my assistant could keep me on schedule. I also noticed that when I am better at managing my own self-control is when other people are involved. So if I know people are waiting for me, I can finish dealing with a client faster than if I don't think people are waiting for me. So I would use one of my strengths to deal with my weaknesses. Now, what does any of this have to do with engagement? It's, it's helped me create a job that I love, that I'm engaged in. So don't sit there and think that if you don't like your job, you're stuck in it. Your torture, your hell ends up being having to go to a job that you're not improving upon. That's what the torture is. The torture doesn't have to remain that way, Right? You don't have to stay in a job where you don't feel engaged. But you also don't have to change it because what you could do is just change yourself in relation to your job. For some reason, you are working where you are and you did it for a reason. So would you please do me a favor and go to the website AuthenticHappiness.com. Look up the questionnaires. Just right there it says questionnaires. And then there's a VIA survey of character strengths. We posted it on our Twitter page, at Dr. Matt Show, and uh, it's just a great resource for you to go figure out what your strengths are. And now that you know what your strengths are, can I suggest you bring those back to the workplace? Start using whatever your top five are to do your job every day. And I will bet you bucks you'll start to feel much more engaged at work. Because you're doing what you do well. I'm also going to bet if you're really disengaged, it's because you're not using your top five strengths in your workplace. Even we'll have a guest on and a a simple guest for me could become a fairly spiritual experience because of what I'm learning, because of what they're saying. So I see my, my actual job fulfills all five of my strengths. And when we can align our strengths and our talents together to do our job, bada boom, bada bing, you're going to have more engagement. Fairly basic idea. Again, AuthenticHappiness.com should be the website you can go to. Um, if, if not, all you got to do is look up Authentic Happiness or, or Happiness and Penn State Studies, and you'll get to Authentic Happiness. Powerful stuff, folks. Um, again, we'll take a break, come back, and continue the discussion. Also, give you a few more updates about what's going on around the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. By the way, it's all inside of you. You've got the good, so share it, spread it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. 
to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, um, if you've ever had that argument about who's the better navigator in the house, you know what? I'd bet on a man. New research. Is that true? Well, to a point. Okay. It's not always foolproof. By the way, this is why Siri was invented, I thought. A new study from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology uh, has the fact that men excel at certain spatial tasks, the release says, as well established. So okay. Certain spatial yeah. type. Like space cases. Yeah. Um, well, no. I think it means something different. The goal of the study was to determine whether testosterone is the reason that men can judge spatial huh. situations better than women can, on average, I guess. Phase one involved 18 men and 18 women using a joystick and goggles to perform 45 navigational tasks with a 30-second time limit on a 3D maze. They were hooked up to an fMRI machine that recorded their brain activity. The results, the men relied more on cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west, took more shortcuts, and completed 50% more tasks than women did. Wow. And researchers found that men and women use different parts of their brain, the hippocampus and frontal areas, respectively, for wayfinding tasks. So where you have get to point A, then get to point B, then get to point C, men use that differently than women do. In ancient times, men were hunters and women were gatherers. Therefore, our brains probably evolved differently, researcher Carl Prezinka theorized. In simple terms, women are faster at finding things in the house. Men are faster at finding the house. Hmm. Well, in, in, in a way, it makes sense because if I'm a hunter, isn't my, my food is constantly on the move? Yes. And a gatherer's food unless is probably— tur- Unless it's a turtle. Unless it's a turtle. Right. But it's sent, it, my, the gatherer's food would, would remain in the same place as Like year, a potato. Year in. Absolutely. Right. So in phase two, a new group of women were given a drop of testosterone and then asked to perform the navigation tasks. Oh, boy. Researchers hoped that they would complete more tasks. That did not happen. However, their knowledge of the maze layout improved, and they used their hippocampus more like the men did. Hmm. The ultimate goal of the research was to gain more understanding about how Alzheimer's disease, which affects more more women than men, Men's prowess when it comes to navigation and putting together furniture isn't necessarily <laughs> cause for gloating. After all, women still live longer. They're more likely to graduate college. They're better investors, right. all that kind of stuff. So, so it's just really in navigating. But I guess if you're a low testosterone man, then you're probably not a great navigator. But maybe you can find what's in the house and not find the house. But if you're a high testosterone female, you're a great navigator, but you have a little stubble on your chin. Right. It doesn't say what happens when we're lost and then we won't ask for directions, though. Yeah, that, that's a whole other issue. And there's yeah. a reason why men don't ask for directions. Because who would know? That's right. Who it, would know where I'm going more than me? Who would I ask? Another guy? I mean, well, come on. Well, he, doesn't do even know? Know, he doesn't even know me. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. That's actually interesting research. Wow. Yeah. So over uh, the holidays, if, you know, if we need to find grandma's house and you've never been there before, you might want to turn to your spouse and say, oh, I, I trust you, honey, you big stud. Or give your wife a testosterone patch. I usually hand my it. wife the phone and say, follow the map. And See, I think that's why Siri and GPS were invented by a man so that we wouldn't have to ask for directions. We have an out. We can save our ego. That's right. That's right. And exactly. And, figure it out. and we can now have the sultry voice of Siri talking to us. You could change it to a British man if you'd like. Nah. No? Okay. <laughs> I'm good. All right. I'd rather have Siri. And again, this may be different depending on your testosterone levels. Maybe not. They added testosterone to the women. It did not improve. They used their brain differently, but their scores did not improve. Yeah. Isn't that so, weird? Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, you got to think about it. If you believe in evolutionary science, then 
he's evolved. The man has evolved over years. So he's probably got a little bit different function of the brain. But some of this might have just been the prowess of being able to play a video game. Absolutely. As they're playing a 3D maze. If my wife did that, she would fail horribly. Yeah. She loses to my six-year-old but nephew. But if we put your wife in an actual store, she scores. And you are just a miserable, crazy little Or weekend. she just gets mad because they keep moving things on her. Blasted! Stop moving the yeah. you know the spice aisle or whatever. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. That's what we try to bring you here from the Matt Townsend Show. The latest and greatest in the research and anything to help you live longer, love stronger, and fight less with your partner trying to find a house. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Give us uh, another hour after the break. Be with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, top of the morning. Man, barely made it to work today. Holy cow, snowstorm in uh, the mountains of Utah and actually in the valleys of Utah. Barely, uh, barely made it. Woo-hoo! It's kind of cool because it means, you know, ski season. It was a good wake up. I saw a lot of cars skiing around. If you're a little drowsy today driving in, you, yeah. you certainly got your adrenaline pumping for the show. My hands are really sore. I had a really strong hand workout while I was holding on to my steering wheel all morning. <laughs> and then the eastern half of the country, it's fine. Nice and fine. It's, east, it's like Easter weather. I saw some reports of uh, some record highs for this time of year in the 60s and 70s in some areas. We had this will be great. It's crazy, and I had like a, when I left probably six inches of snow. In fact, my wife's like can't talk now driving in the snow. And my wife just texted me as she's driving. I want to go home. <laughs> so hey, it's a great day. This is a fun, fun day. And in fact, uh, Navy's coach uh, Ken Niuma Talolo. Niuma Talolo. Good luck with that. He arrives in uh, to talk to BYU about a coaching job. Right. And I've seen reports. He's going to regret coming today. I've seen there the the athletic uh, athletic director at Navy says this is an unnecessary distraction. Yeah, he was a little mad. The uh, some people are saying he's just doing something courtesy yeah. out of coming to the here and just kind of go on a tour. Other places say you have an established head coach making a trip, visiting in this this situation. Seems like a big deal. It's a big deal. They yeah. don't do this often. So. We're going to talk to the guys at BYU Sports Nation, find out what they're hearing because they you know their ear is always to the ground. Today it's probably wet with slush dripping off their ear because they've been so close to the ground. Do you think they fly them in like yeah. on a private sort of situation, jet, I bet, airplane? Or... I, I doubt BYU does that. So he'll but land. Like, you know, uh, Notre Dame would do that. Right? Yeah. Notre Dame Florida, flies their jet. University of Florida did it with a, a coach that was here in the area. Um, so he would just come through the airport so all the media could camp out and wait for him. Oh, that's true. Or do you sneak him through Maybe somehow? you sneak him through. Well, actually, there's a picture of him right there on the elevator. He's just coming down regular, you know, regular. Oh, there he is, He's coming just, down the escalator. I guess he He's just, just coming down in. the escalator. He's just wearing his Navy shirt. That kind of ruins the whole intrigue of it yeah, when he just walks in the door. And again, this may all be just a bait and switch. Could be. You never know. You never know. 
you could say they could hire an assistant coach, but none are left, so they have to hire right. from outside the yeah, program. Six or seven coaches have now left BYU. I, I actually saw going. the list yesterday. How many coaches? It's. I mean, I guess that's the thing is you don't you can't guarantee any coach a deal. So yeah. if Bronco leaves and goes to Virginia, then you know it's like, do you want a job or do you want to stay here and see if you have a job? Take your pick. It, it really is. If you ever wanted to see the Brigham Young, the BYU Cougars football team in action, but you live back east. Now you got to just go to the University of Virginia. Apparently. It's going to be the same offense. Pretty much. And defense, because Bronco. It's a Bronco, yeah. Holy cow. Anyway, um, got to tell you this story, uh, you know, in the, in the bad boys, bad boys. criminal world, we always like to uh, coach the criminals to be better criminals. On my satellite system, there was a channel that had a cops marathon. It was like 12 oh, hours I of love cops. the show Cops. You know what's great about watching Cops is that you feel like you're a better person. I am better than all of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Than this entire series, I would never do that. Uh, But a Florida woman thought she had gotten away from a hit-and-run accident until her own car called the cops. Kathy Bernstein, 57, tried speeding off after hitting both a truck and a van, but her Ford cut her escape short. Uh, Police said the car's 911 assist system, Sync, gave details to police, including her location, and put Bernstein on the phone with dispatch. Whoops. There's nothing more difficult, I think, than trying to run away from a hit and run, drive away from a hit and run, and then have to deal with a phone call from the cops. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm running from you. I don't sorry, need to Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I was not involved. The operator, uh, I guess it says, your car uh, has told us you're in an accident. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't in an accident. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, the car wouldn't call us if you weren't in an accident. That's yeah. how the system works. Yeah, your car, no, no, that person that was just in front of me, your car wouldn't call us and tell us that someone pulled out in front of you unless you had been in an accident. I don't know what you're talking about. Look over there. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. Uh, by the way, the airbag was also deployed. Yes. That's also hard to drive with. I <laughs> mean, I find driving with an airbag deployed very difficult. And then you're covered in the powder, probably a burn because oh, they yeah. kind of have. And your ears are ringing as somebody whose airbags have gone off before. You have a deflated airbag in your lap as you're trying to yeah. turn. Yeah, <coughs> you're, you're coughing. There's noxious fumes in the car. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. And then now all of a sudden the cops are calling you. So she continues her lies, telling cops that she had hit a tree. Cops said she finally admitted to hitting a car, leaving the scene. And police learned she was actually fleeing from another crash before she rammed into this other person's car. So she hit one car and yeah. ran and ended up hitting another car and then running again. Go! And her car, because it has all these safety features, <laughs> calls the police to help her out. So the criminal coaching segment, uh, what we'd like to do is just give criminals a better opportunity if they're going to commit a crime, how to do it better. A, I'd buy, a, I'd buy an older car. Okay. Uh, maybe one with less technology. I don't. Is she a criminal, though? Well, it would seem like it. There was two hit and runs. That's not really something like she robbed a bank and then there was two hit and runs. Well, but it, it was a crime. Well, it's, I'm it's not saying crime. it wasn't a crime, but you're trying to, if you're going to commit a crime and you're planning on it, probably disable or get a cheaper car. Yeah, for sure. Now, in this situation, she hit someone, panicked, ran, hit somebody else. Panicked, ran. So It's a, I, it's a series. It's a, it's a crime. She's not necessarily a criminal. Well, I would, I would suggest somebody that commits a crime is a criminal. This is not that kind of crime, though. This is like she made a mistake and then compounded the mistake. 
You know her, don't you? She's a friend. You know Kathy. Yeah, she's a close family. She related? No, I have no idea who this person is. Kathy South is her name. No, that would be my mother. Kathy Bernstein South. And that's not my mother. Is she 57? (laughs) No, she's not. Okay. Just checking. Uh, Anyway, we're here to help everybody, not just the healthy non-criminals, but also the ilk, the criminal ilk. But take this into account, Matt, as you're looking for a car. Do you want this much connectivity? No, I don't. My car, every once in a while, it has OnStar. Uh, And I'll I'll turn the car on, and you're sitting there, and it goes, hello, your car is equipped with OnStar. It has not been activated yet. Quit talking to me. I'm like, why are you advertising a service in my car? (laughs) Fuck it off. They start singing the OnStar jingle. Yeah, that's that. It's already bad when your kids are like, why are you at the mall? Yeah. None of your business. They can track you. Quit tracking They're tracking you on the phone. It's bad stuff. All right, let's get to the headlines. Anything else going on around the world? There is. Thanks, Matt. Graphic video appeared to show Los Angeles County deputies repeatedly shooting a man walking away from them Saturday, apparently continuing even after he fell to the ground and tried to crawl away. He died at the scene. Authorities identified the man as Nicholas Robertson, 28 years old. Here is L.A. County Sheriff Captain Stephen Katz on the shooting. You see the suspect entering the frame, weapon in hand. He was behaving erratically, oddly, and in a bizarre fashion. There are two women and three children in a car at a gas pump that is within five feet of him at the time. The man had allegedly fired shots into the air and pointed a gun at deputies before they opened fire. The LA Times reports dozens of protesters took to the intersection where the shooting happened on Saturday night. Concerned groups are asking for a federal investigation. The mayor of a northeast Georgia city has died after being shot Sunday during what police are calling a domestic dispute. Clarksville Mayor Terry Green died at Atlanta Medical Center, according to a hospital spokeswoman. Investigators with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation were called to his home Sunday night after an officer found him lying on the floor of his home with a gunshot wound to the head. Authorities would say only that the shooting happened during some sort of domestic dispute. That's kind of odd. Weird. Hillary Clinton would defeat Ted Cruz and trounce Donald Trump in a hypothetical head-to-head general election matchup, mm. according to a new NBC Wall Street Journal poll. So these polls are fun. They look at the who's running in the election, and they put them, pit them against each other and then ask people on a national basis, who would you vote for? Hold it. That is the Wall Street Journal that Ted Cruz said uh – was the the Donald? No, it was the what's the newspaper that's against him? That was in Des Moines, Iowa. Yes. So you have a small a, a paper in a local town doing this. The NBC Wall Street Journal looking at the nation, and they're asking who would you vote for? Interesting. So they pick Clay. They the findings was Clinton would beat Trump fifty to forty. Okay. Clinton would beat Ted Cruz forty eight forty five. Carson would beat Clinton 47-46. But th- these are all in polls that everyone keeps saying none of these are relevant yes. at all. This is fun time polls. Okay. They this mean is just nothing, like playtime. But, but it's kind of interesting to it's see like imagine time. where people stand, right? Yeah. Rubio would beat Clinton 48-45. to 45. Weird. So Carson and Rubio would beat Clinton, but Trump and Cruz would not. But isn't, according to, I can't remember who it was, either Trump or Cruz said, the Wall Street Journal, yeah. they are friends of the establishment, which is why they like Rubio. That's why Rubio's numbers are up. There you go. Ah! There's always an excuse. Okay. So that's interesting. Everywhere you go this holiday holiday shopping season, as mm-hmm. you found out Saturday, there's music playing. Yeah. It's just this Muzak stuff they play. Oh, there's yeah. a, it's actually not really like generic, but it's actual music. And the one that's most popular is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It Ooh. plays over and over and over. Me? Not necessarily you, but the the you like the, the general, general you. the okay. general you. Not Matt Townsend. There's that was it was me. 
It was you. There's, it was there, me. There's no escaping it. But for the first time in decades, there's another song you might hear more often. What? So Mariah Carey's Christmas song was released in 1994. It's safe. It says Christmas a lot. They play it. Yeah. And you go shop and that kind of thing. It's not the top. It's not in the top spot when it comes to the most played holiday songs. The top played song is this one. You heard this? Yeah. Well, who is this? It's a group called the Shins. Oh, I once had a Shin. Did you? Maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah. Till it went bad. So, Interesting. So it's the Shins. It's called Wonderful Christmas Time. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is number two. Christina Aguilera's Christmas Time, mm. number three. A group called The Waitresses sings a song called Christmas Rapping. Oh, I love that. But it's W-R-A-P-P-I-N-G. Oh, okay. So like rapping gifts. Yeah. Um, Jack Johnson, Someday at Christmas. Kelly Clarkston, Underneath the Tree. Michael okay. Buble has a song in uh. here. And then finally, you get down to number... Eight and you get a Bing Crosby song, so you Man. get one of the classic Christmas like, songs. But Bing's fallen all the way to eight. Bing, Bing Crosby, White Christmas is eighth. It used to be the only song there was. And Ella Fitzgerald's "Have Yourself a Merry Little oh, Christmas" cool. is tenth. So those are the 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 top Christmas songs played at malls and shopping centers all across this wonderful. Well, now you know. Now you know. see. Now you know. That's why we give you this great information. Thank you, Terry. And uh, you got to go listen to the Shins and the waitresses. Um, interesting. It's mu- it's not just Muzak. It just it brings you the great spirit of the season. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, uh, hopefully we will have New York Times bestselling author Leanne uh, Davey, um, who is going to be talking about eight tips to survive your office holiday party. Heaven knows we need it, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. You know, the holidays offer a a hope of a break from the responsibilities of work, promises of long naps, great meals, and family bonding. But before you get to enjoy the few days of leisure, you might have to endure perhaps the dreaded holiday office party, memories of drunken co-workers, bad boss jokes, karaoke, and other uh, problems might uh, be facing you. So you want to just sneak away early, maybe not even go. But our next guest, Dr. Leanne Davey, is a New York Times bestselling author of the book, You First, Inspire Your Team to Grow Up, Get Along, and Get Stuff Done. She's on the phone with us today to to give us uh, her eight tips of how to survive your holiday office parties. Leanne Davey, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much, Matt. It's great to be with you. You bet. Great to have you. I love this article because, you know, it's it's just pretty basic, uh, you know, tools, I guess, to help us enjoy the holiday party. Why is it you think we're so we're so against them? Why, why, do, why do they create such stress on us? Yeah, I think there's different reasons for different people, but the one I hear most of any is, is our introverts who just, you know, it's enough pressure to be in the office all day oh, yeah. every day and having to make small talk and interact. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's this big open time, two or three hours usually, and you got to come up with topics, and it's stressful. So I think the most common reason is certainly that uh, that introvert. But there's other reasons, as you mentioned in the intro. There's you know lots of us have had bad experiences over time. So yeah, what are the benefits of going though? I mean, it seems like this is a great time too because 
you know, if you have a spouse that's really, you know, socially effective, this could be a great way to even work your way up the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting. I think fewer and fewer organizations are having uh, holiday parties that have spouses or partners these days. Hmm. Uh, if, if you've got that extra benefit of knowing there's a, a wingman for you there, right. I think that's really great. Um, if not, the, the big benefit of going is that these are the folks that you spend more time with than you spend with your own family. Hmm. And when you think about waking hours you spend with people, uh, and the chance to have a less formal interaction with them builds a connection, strengthens the connection between you, lets you blow off a little steam. And, you know, those kinds of things are really important for building a team where there's trust and where there's support for one another. So I think don't enter, underestimate the importance of, uh, of your holiday party. I love it. And now you put together a list, eight tips to survive your, hol- your office holiday party. And the very first tip is go. <laughs> yeah. You got to go. Letters, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people don't end up going to their holiday party. And, you know, I think unfortunately many of them believe that no one will notice. Uh, and the good news is people will notice that you're not there. Um, you know, you are an important part of the community that is your office, and it's really important that you show up to these kinds of social gatherings. Like any community that we're a part of, whether that's in our, you know, your church community or your neighborhood community, it's important that you show up at these important um There are events that that mark um, a community, and so go, and there's lots of tips if uh, if going doesn't seem like your favorite idea, but (laughs) do make an appearance, even if it's only for an hour. Yeah, and you, um, I mean, you you wrote the book on it. The, the the book is your book is called "You First: Inspire Your Team to Grow Up, Get Along, and Get Stuff Done." It seems like those are all tips that would help you. And, 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 and emphasize why you need to go. You get, I mean, yeah. you, someone's got to lead this. Yeah, exactly. I think that grow up tip, you know what? Some of the things you got to do when you're a grown up, um, you know, they maybe aren't your favorite thing, but they're important and they're a part of being a part of any community. So uh, you got to do it. So make sure that you show up for your holiday party. Um, don't, you know, take the easy way out thinking that no one's going to notice and no one's going to care. Right. They will notice. Well, and and you make another point. Your next point is make an effort to invite new people uh, to go with you, to either drive with you or walk with you. I mean, you you made the point earlier. These are people we spend the majority of our days with. So we we might want to get to know them better. Worst case scenario, right? It's that you're new to the team. You don't know anyone. And so you've watched a bunch of your coworkers arrange to carpool together or take a taxi, and you're left out of it. And so you have that excruciating experience of, you know, having to find the place yourself, that's a bit demoralizing to start with, and then walking in all by yourself and having to either kind of stand by yourself awkwardly by the punch bowl or to, you know, try and break into a conversation that's already going on. Those are really awful experiences. <laughs> so if you have a new coworker, be the friendly one that walks over and says, hey, would you like to go over together? Um, that's a really nice thing you can do. Gives you someone to talk to. Um, probably makes it interesting because you're going to learn something new, not hear a frank story that you've heard, you know, the seventh Christmas party in a row. And uh, and also makes things much, much, much more pleasant for your new coworker. That's so true. I mean, and again, it's you're just breaking the ice, really. Plus, yeah, plus, because yeah. they're the newbie, a lot of the attention will be off of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone will want to know the newbie. Yeah, and, and 
one of the things you can do to sort of lubricate the situation is that as you're, you know, heading over to the party, find out a couple of interesting things about that person. And, you know, then when folks are gathering around and you're meeting people, you can make the conversation about the new person by saying, hey, I don't know if you know, but this person actually came from our, you know, our office in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and lived in North Carolina for 10 years, or, you know, something interesting to make a more personal and human connection and get the conversation going. For most people, the first 10 minutes are the most difficult. So if you can get through the first 10 minutes with a few of these tricks, um, then you'll just relax and start to enjoy yourself. Yeah, you just really need to just get integrated, don't you? Just getting in, getting into the conversation, figuring out where you're going to sit, who you're going to be sitting by. Yeah, exactly. That's the hard stuff. Once you've planted yourself and the eggnog starts to flow and you know, whatever else you're having, then then you can just relax. And then you're just a group of people. That gets easy. You know, it all just brings back nightmares of the television show The Office yeah. and their Christmas parties, <laughs> one after another. But um, talk about the dress. Uh, your third point is dress for the occasion. That That could be a little tricky because you might be used to wearing one thing to work and then all of a sudden they change the dress code on you. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the tips for those first awkward 10 minutes is that if you wear something that's a, a bit of a talking point, there, you're done. You're, you yeah. know, you've already got the conversation going. So, you know, I have a, a friend, Carol, who has this hand-knit Grinch sweater. <laughs> and it's it's got, you know, rattly things and pom-poms, and it's fantastic. And you can't walk up to Carol wearing that sweater and not start <laughs> a conversation about it. And, you know, so many people have uh, memories of watching the Grinch in childhood. I've seen fights break out over whether the Grinch, the animated Grinch, is better than the Jim Carrey Grinch. But the point is, the sweater does the work for her. Right. So, you know, make those small efforts. If you don't want to attract that kind of attention, you know, a little snowflake tie tack or some red and green striped socks for the gentleman works great. It says that I'm here and I'm in. Um, and it's just a way of showing that you're one of the fun folks on the team as opposed to somebody who's sort of got their arms crossed and is just waiting for uh, the 60-minute requisite uh, <laughs> contribution to be done so they can bolt. Yeah. When do we get our company party? When do we get our gift? I want my gift. i got to get out of here. I want my gift. Yes, exactly. And, and that is uh, really – remember, you are contributing to your personal brand at the holiday party perhaps as much or more as you're contributing to your personal brand when you're in a team meeting or in a one-on-one with your boss. So it's really important that you think a little bit about what do you want to project. Do you want to show up and be someone who is you know, in on the action, having fun, supporting what's going on? Or do you want to be the one who is, you know, spotted looking at your your watch or your uh, smartphone several times throughout the meeting? This this is all about your reputation, how you're perceived, your brand, and it's a great opportunity to to, to have a bit of a positive influence on your brand. Man, the brand's a great way to look at it, and it seems like too maybe few of us are looking at ourselves as a brand, you know, but but if – in the end, it's, I need to protect my identity and, and build my identity to whatever I need it to be and want it to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think too few people are deliberate about how they want to be perceived. And, and you know, certainly I'm not saying be manipulative. Yeah, or be fake. Work, right? But thinking about, you know, what do I like most about myself? And, and what do I contribute to this team that's, that's unique and that's different? And, and how do I show that in a Christmas party just as I would show it in, you know, in a meeting or uh, at a presentation? It's just another fun way, but it allows you to open up sort of aspects of your personality 
personality that you might not get to show. You might get to have a little bit more fun and yeah. loosen up a little bit at the party. Like if there's dancing and, you know, if you're wearing your funny outfit. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. opportunities to, to, to grow it, to, you know, let your personality shine. You, I guess this is another point you bring up, but maybe we also ought to be careful of the spirits, the alcohol, <laughs> because this is, seems like where a lot of these parties can get unhinged. Yeah, and and this is a really, really important point. So there is usually alcohol at these sorts of parties, and, you know, alcohol, a drink or two, can really make it easier to loosen up and get out on the dance floor and those sorts of things. First of all, don't have a drink before you have something to eat. And that's very common is that the tray of drinks comes around before the tray of appetizers. Just be a little careful. Stick with, you know, maybe a, a sparkling water or soda before uh, before you get some food because otherwise those bubbles, especially if you're <laughs> drinking bubbly things, they go to your head very, very quickly. And the last thing you want to be is the drunken calling oh, holiday party. Yeah. So, so do be careful. The other important thing, you know, stop and have a pop or a glass of water in between your alcoholic drinks and, uh, and definitely quit while you're ahead. <laughs> That's important. Um, yeah, you can ruin more of your brand in one party yeah. than yeah, you can you make can. up for. Uh, and it's it can be very, very destructive, especially if your behavior while you're intoxicated is, is unbecoming, right? It's not something that your organization wants to be associated mm. with. That said, if you see a friend or, or, you know, anyone, it doesn't have to be a friend, but if you see one of your colleagues behaving inappropriately or if, they, uh, if they've had one too many, please have their back, you know, make sure that you run interference and kind of keep the boss away from them. Uh, make sure you call them a cab, mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things. And, and just a little whisper in the ear of just, you know, hey, you might want to slow down or something like <laughs> You're that. You're losing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it really, it's great advice because, I mean, too, the, the, the business is a weird setting anyway, because we already have we all we already have other rules. You know, you have corporate rules and a human resources there and I mean, then if, yeah, it's it's just there's there's potential problems if we're not careful. Yeah, there are. And, and you know, I, I think you always want to be a somewhat uh, looser, more fun version mm-hmm. of yourself at a holiday party, but always within the values of the company. Right. Always within the code of conduct. Uh, and again, as we, as we talked about earlier, always within the brand that you want to portray. So if it's your brand... With one glass of bubbly, great. Um, you know, if if you're uh, keeling over, I think that yeah. that detracts from the fun if you're of it. Slurring forever. your speech, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Uh, Leanne Davy, and she is talking to us about the eight tips to survive your office holiday party. She is a New York Times best-selling author of the book "You First: Inspire Your Team to Grow Up, Get Along, and Get Stuff Done." We'll come back and wrap up her eight points. Uh, Folks, the office party should be fun. It shouldn't be your source of destruction. Stick with us. More right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone, Dr. Leanne Davy, author of the book You First Inspire Your Team to Grow Up, Get Along, and Get Stuff Done. You can find out more about her at the website uh, three number three coz coze dot com three coz 
Um and uh, I'm sure she'll be able to teach us what that is about uh, in just a second. We've been talking about her article that she wrote called Eight Tips to Survive Your Office Party. Basically, you got to go. Make an effort when you get there to, to go with other people. Dress for the occasion. Eat before drinking. Have your teammates back. I mean, don't just, you know, be a one-man show. Go there. Talk to your friends. Protect your friends. Be there with your friends. Um and interesting stuff. Again, Dr. Leanne Davey, welcome back. Thanks so much. This is great learning so far. Uh, you also say that we should, I guess, stir it up a bit, sit with different people. Yeah, so we all fall victim to this. You know, it's it's finally our chance to relax. I find a lot of people this week, last week, we're all, you know, just sprinting for the finish line to get a bit of a vacation. And so we have this default reaction to just go to those people we know well, where we're comfortable. And I get it. So I'm going to say, let's go 50-50. You go sit uh, during lunch or dinner uh, with those folks, but then push yourself a bit. So when dessert comes, do a big musical chairs. Go Hmm. get up, go sit with somebody you don't know as well. Um, That's a chance to find out a little bit about them, to make a connection with somebody who could be, you know, either just somebody interesting you want to get to know, somebody you need to build a relationship with to help your career, uh, it's a great chance to, uh, to spread your wings a little and meet some other folks. So if you want to sit with friends you know for the first little while, great. Yeah. But push yourself to, to get up and at least at one point switch seats. And some of that could really be part of the game. I mean, whoever's planning this party could could get into that and, and recognize that might be a great service to to either assign seating or mix up the seating so that people have – Um, an opportunity to meet new people. If you are the party planner, I highly encourage you to do that. I've seen fun things. I I went to one party once where it was at a vineyard, and we had the salad course out in the vineyard, and then we had the next course uh, inside in the cask room, and we moved to different rooms and different groups of people for everyone. There's another really fun uh, way of doing it is having a bowl on each table, and in it is, you know, eight different uh, candy bars, and everybody pulls the candy bar out. And for the dessert course, you go sit with all the people who had Nestle crunches. Or oh, there you go. Yeah. Had M&Ms. And, yeah, that, that's a fun way to, to mix it up. Um, so if you are planning the party, I, I encourage you. If, if, unfortunately, the party hasn't been so well planned, then make it happen for yeah. yourself. In fact, uh, we've already had our company party, and our people have already asked for feedback. Where do you, what did you like? What didn't you like? They're learning. They're trying to make it better every year. Another point you bring up, though, uh, of your eight points is to take a chance to have a different kind of conversation than you might normally have. What do you mean by that? So this is a chance to probably have a personal conversation that maybe isn't as um, isn't as normal in the regular workday, or you just don't have time for it. So one of the examples I give is uh, a lunch that I had many, many years ago now, and we went around and asked, you know, what was the most memorable, amazing present from your childhood? You know, the one that really your eyes lit up, and and for me it was the the Barbie Winnebago that I got, which was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, but those were awesome. My colleague Chris shared that. She had actually, the the one most amazing present was actually one she didn't get. She had always wanted saddle shoes. She was of that vintage, Mm -hmm. uh, and she never got them. Her family couldn't afford them. And when she retired three years later, 
uh, we actually got her a shiny new pair of saddle shoes. <laughs> and it was such a meaningful thing. But yeah. it, what an amazing conversation to have with folks. It tells you so much about what their upbringing was. Um, it, it tells you so much about their personality and what they loved. And listening to them tell a story like that um, really opens up a person in, in a really new way. So oh, I love that. it's a chance to have a different kind of conversation. No, it really is. And and then, too, it connects you and it can become something that builds everybody and and maybe even some inside connection that nobody knew about before. Yeah, inside jokes are yeah. a great way of creating bonding among a team. And so finding out that, you know, that somebody, it was his Batman underoos that were, you know, his best gift ever, you know, then you have fun when you got an important presentation. Right. You can ask him, hey, you, you know, you got your Batman underoos on there or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But it just makes a more personal right. connection. And really, what what you're supposed to be more of a team. You feel more camaraderie. Um, last but not least, your final point is be considerate of teammates who celebrate other holidays. Yeah. So in our world these days, and depending on where your listeners are, um, this may be very, very normal and standard that you have people who celebrate Hanukkah, Diwali, and Eid all you know right. all at your Christmas party. Um, Um, And for some, it may be less common, but it's a great opportunity to find out and to not make assumptions about how people celebrate at the holidays. And as we know, uh, Christmas can be a very challenging time for people who've lost a loved one or who are alone. So just being sensitive to how different people spend the holidays. And I think it's it's really fun and interesting to find out about other people's traditions. Um, You know, one of the fun things for me is I have a, a few Jewish friends who love to go skiing on Christmas Day because, you know, most of the riffraff are off the hill. That's right. Got clean powder. Open powder. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good that, living. That's kind of fun to know about folks. It really is. And I think, I mean, it should be a team building experience. Now, um, Leanne, at your website, Three Co- what is the Three name Co's. of the website? Three Co's. That, talk, yeah. Just tell us about that really quick and then we'll let you go. So I've just found it in, uh, in conjunction with my husband, who's also a psychologist. We've founded this firm with this mission to radically change the way people communicate, connect, and contribute so they can achieve amazing things together. And the, the three co's are those communicate, connect, mm. and contribute. So that's where the name comes from. If your listeners are interested in improving their team, getting some suggestions for how to deal with some of the difficult dynamics that go on on teams um threecos.com has free resources for everyone oh it's so great and then yeah a great blog too just with wonderful articles like this one that we've been going over well leanne we appreciate you good luck happy holidays to you thank you so much and happy holidays to uh, all your listeners thank you so much and again everybody go check out that book you first inspire your team to grow up get along and get stuff done Man, tis the season to build the team as well, folks. So, you know, if we are spending so much time with each other, we may as well be enjoying it. Let's uh, take a break. Go visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's going on in their neck of the world. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Simon Garfunkel for you. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies. Also, very much like Simon and Garfunkel, Spencer and Jerem down at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. What happened to y'all? I thought you were going to play Anchors Away from the 
United States Naval Academy oh, Band. Oh, whoa, that would have Timely. been so good. Why didn't we do that? Come on. You got to be on top of your game, man. I know Garrett's here. Garrett Rushforth. Uh, Garrett Rushforth. Whose father was the coach of our very own Jerem Jordan. That's right. Oh, there, yeah. there's a backstory now. There's, there's some more uh, that, that has happened, right, Jerem? Didn't you talk to Garrett? Line, yeah, line yeah, we chatted, and we chatted on the show. You were gone Friday, so you missed this. You know what we, we learned? Chatted. But you know what yeah. we learned, Spencer, that's really strange? Uh, Jerem only shaves, when he was in high school, he would only shave one of his legs for aerodynamics. Left I've, or right, Jerem? I've never shaved my legs. Oh, my heavens. It denial. was his left leg. He would leave, lead with his left Always hip. Always lead with your left hip. <laughs> that, that getting off the starting <laughs> yeah. line. And just, that's what uh, Coach Rushforth told me, so I did it, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, that was at one of the two practices I went to. That's what he told me. To this day, Jerem still leads with his <laughs> left hip. So awkward. Slide, baby, slide. So I dance, left hip, oh, slide to the left. Hey, did you have a good time, Spencer, having a day off on Friday? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Did you get your shopping done? Got some, uh, well, we visited Santa Claus. Oh, good. How's took, he doing? Took the four-year-old boy and, mm-hmm. and our infant. Santa didn't drop the baby, which is a good thing. Huge. That's huge. That's a good uh, start. So that, yeah, that was good. A little stressful. We went and saw the good dinosaur with both of them. Okay. Did the baby like it? Yeah. He slept the whole time. That's perfect. Just like a dad. But Jack's liked it. I love it during scary parts or intense parts. He he puts his hands over his ears, (laughs) but he's still watching. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Cute. Really fun. That's Um, good. So you had a good good break. Yeah. I may or may not have shed a tear during the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. A tearjerker. I zoned out for a minute. What movie? The good, uh, dinosaur. the good Dinosaur. Oh, The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, I watched it as well. Thanksgiving Day. Was great. Have you guys seen The Bad Dinosaur? <laughs> no, that... I hate that Wasn't one. that That's Jurassic Park, right? Wasn't that rated R? Yeah, yeah it's Jurassic World. For violence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously violent. Hey, um, so I know Ken's in town. Ken Niumatololo. Close. How do you say it? Niumatololo. Ah, Niumatololo. How do you remember Everyone that? Everyone together. Niumatololo. He's in town. And we yes, were all he, wondering, he does he in come town. in on a jet? Like, does he He's come in on the BYU jet? Kenny, you want to come over here? Now, listen, he, it was BYU Sports Nation TMZ at the airport last night with local media members, like, waiting, like, stalking. Yeah. Don't want to Montalolo. call them out. Rod Zundel, Jeff Call. <laughs> really? <laughs> KSL and Deseret, the Deseret News. <laughs> yes. They were there. Jeff Call left his, uh, you know, his church clothes on. Did he really good? So he, oh yeah, as we like to say in the LBS faith, his church clothes, his church clothes, his, his like nice suit, attire. white tie, or yeah, white he's shirt. Sad um, attire. I'm related to Jeff somehow, so I got to give him a hard time. But but he he's in town. We were wondering if yes. he'd fly in on a private jet, but no, he Did flew not. in on a Delta or whatever. No, government can't afford that. I guess. Yeah, that's good. Or maybe that's his own dime or BYU. I don't yeah, know. Somebody couldn't Anyways, afford he's it. He's here. He's here, and then it snows like crazy when he gets here. So welcome he, to Provo. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. I don't want this place. Don't is deal cool. with this. Yeah, is he? Um, have Have you heard any other news? Uh, is he Is he buying a house yet? Does he know anything? Nothing yet. Like most of this whole story, we don't really know anything, hmm. and no is the operative word. Yeah. Everyone thinks they know things. Yeah, we don't really know very much. People were joking last night on social media that uh, the uh, the itinerary has Ken stopping at uh, Dunkin' Donuts tomorrow morning. <laughs> I wish we had a Dunkin' Donuts here. Yeah. We don't we, have a Dunkin' Donuts. We have one up in Draper. If he it's wants not even to. possible. He could go to Draper and then come down. Wait, there's there's a Dunkin' Donuts in Draper? I'm Wait, what? Sure, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. There was one in That's Bountiful bigger news too. than Kenya Matalola being here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me. Yeah. If you want, I could get you some net one day. I mean, they may not be open as early as Jerem. I leave. 
you have reason to continue on. Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts is in Utah. To continue on? Yes. Like with life? What yes. are you talking about? We need new to... purpose. Oh, I have new purpose? Yes, I do. Well, man, you really are into Dunkin' Donuts. No, I, not really. Okay. Um, yeah, K- Kensington is going to meet with BYU. He's going to see the facilities, you know, talk to Tom Homel. Obviously, uh, part of that conversation will be, you know, contract potentially. But the the end that people aren't talking about is, does Ken Niamatololo want to come to BYU? Yeah, that's the question. There's an assumption that, oh, yeah, he does. I don't know. Well, He's got a he good gig back Navy? there. He's going to come here. Obviously, BYU is going to offer him more than he makes at Navy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing him in at all? But Ken Niamatololo was on ESPN's College Game Day Saturday and said something to the effect of, I've... Uh, you know, several teams have reached out to me, but this one is different. My faith means everything to me. I'm going to hear, I need to hear what they have to say. Yeah. See, so this may just be, he's just being a good guy, just trying to, you know, show the faith some respect. At a minimum, yes. Yeah. At a maximum. he's a serious coaching candidate. And does he want to you know, move on to a different chapter, a la Bronco. Bronco had no real reason to leave, but took more money and was a new challenge. That would be the same case for Kenny Matalolo. Sure, BYU. sure. And we'll get to know his name. I mean, I'll get, I'll learn to pronounce it. Niu Matalolo. Niu Matalolo. Yeah. Ken, Niu Matalolo. And Perfect. his, his son's already on the team. Va'a. And then he has another oh, well, son. Hold on, hold on. Va'a. Ali'i. Ali'i committed to uh, Boise State. Oh, oh, how cool. Who See, just may ooh, come so, to BYU if his coach is his dad? Cue dramatic squirrel music. Dun dun dun. <laughs> are, are you guys gonna Are you gonna do anything else on your show today other than uh, Ken Niumatololo? Niu Trevor Matic of ESPN joins us because yep. BYU and Utah play in less than a week. Holy in Las cow! Vegas. I know. What? I know. And by the way, I got tickets. Did you? Except I'm sending my sons. Oh. I, when, well, when you have five boys, you know, my needs are irrelevant. Um, in, in this situation, Matt, I would say be selfish. I know. I would it's too. It's too late, it sounds like. I know. Well, what yeah. What were you thinking? I know. It's bad. I'm just trying to be a father. Whatever. He's getting emotional. We have to go. I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I know. You gave up your BYU-Utah I know. football I did tickets? it because I love my boys. who Operative love... words being gave up. Yeah. They were kind of ripped from me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a tussle, and, yeah. and, the and my boys were stronger than me. That's right. And once they got them <laughs> in their hand, I could. Speaking up here, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're going to have uh, Mr. Maddich and who else? Anson Winder, uh, former BYU basketball player, breakdown BYU hoops, who lost by nine on the road at Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, BYU with some issues right now, still figuring out the rotation and some lineups. Haven't played well on the road where they go from here. They have four non-conference games left. We'll talk to Anson, who's been a part of two teams the last two years that made really good in-season adjustments, good enough to uh, win a bunch of games, get to the NCAA tournament. Hmm. That's what this team needs. What does he think those are? Cool. Okay, well, it's a great show as usual. Plus, you got each other back. We're ready. Okay, well, you got to know from this show to your show, you know, we got your back. Thank you. Thank you. The front is of more concern, but thank you. (laughs) Star Wars comes out Thursday, by the way. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, good. Yeah, Star Wars is Thursday. Star Um, Wars is Thursday. For those that are keeping score. I have tickets at 7. Okay, Uh, that was Garrett. Garrett (laughs) Garrett has tickets at 7. We, we don't ta- have tickets yet. We're going to have to see you in Vegas yeah. we're heading down tomorrow. Okay. And by the way, someday we'll have Garrett come down and sing your group a song. The Copper Hills Fight Song. That's it. It's good stuff. Okay. Have fun, guys. Have a great show. You got it. Love good you. Good stuff. Love you. Peace out. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they got a lot going on. How would it be to be 
uh, Ken New Matololo, who's got to come to BYU and then just smile, and he's the only one that knows. He's, he's the only one. Does he even want it? Oh! Anyway, hey, uh, a couple stories for you before we wrap up this show. Um, did you hear about this one? A man fell asleep inside a trash bin, which, you know, oh! just that right there should just get you scared. Police say a homeless man sleeping inside a garbage bin survived two compaction cycles after the bin was emptied into the trash truck. Fremont police spokeswoman uh, Geneva Bosquez said Tuesday that the 44-year-old man was sleeping inside a large trash bin behind a restaurant when a trash truck collected it and used the compactor. Bosk tells the Oakland Tribune that the truck then traveled to a fast food restaurant, collected trash from another bin there, and again used the trash compactor. She says the man crawled out through an opening in the roof the next time the truck stopped at another store. You know, two times he's like, I'm done with this. Bosk said the man then was very lucky to have survived the compaction without serious injuries. The man who suffered from the mental health issues was taken to a hospital to be checked. Ha! Huh. Sad and scary. Um, can you imagine that? Being stuck in the back of a, of a collection truck? Holy cow. And then it's compacting? Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, as you know, we like to wrap up the show um, always talking about a hero story. Hopefully to motivate you to be a hero as well. Today's hero is 11-year-old Jacob Boberski from Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. Mike, and listen to the story. Here's the story. Mike and Jacob Boberski a father and a son, were out having a relaxing Columbus Day fishing uh, activity on Lake Silkworth. Each in their own kayak, Mike Boberski had caught a fish, and when he reached over to pull it out, he lost his balance and tipped the kayak. Boberski fell uh, with his life jacket on, uh, riding up over his head as if it was going to come off. Boberski was wearing heavy clothing and started to go under. Meanwhile, Jacob Boberski remained cool and calm. Hearing his father's shouts for help, Jacob paddled over to his father's side and towed him back to shore. Jacob saved his father's life and was honored by the Lake Silkworth Volunteer Fire Department with a special plaque. Fire Chief Jerry Walker says, You only have one dad in life, and he saved his father. I think it was an honor on behalf uh, I, I think it was an honor on behalf of myself and my EMS crew to honor. 11-year-old Jacob Boberski. Jacob didn't think, uh, doesn't think of himself as a hero. He just was grateful that he was there and that everything turned out all right with his dad. By the way, Jacob also managed to pull his dad's uh, fish, a big mouth bass, to shore too. So they didn't lose their bass. Anyway, Jacob Boberski, you are the hero of the day. How cool is that, though, too? A father-son out doing the, uh, the hero work. Right? Out hanging out, fishing. Cool stuff, folks. That's the show. You know, we can't do it without you. We're here Monday through Friday. And uh, got a lot of information to help you live longer, love stronger. Again, until tomorrow, let's just take care of each other. Let's look out for each other. And remember, the holidays are there to bring a spirit of peace and of joy of service. You can all be a hero if you're spreading that service and that peace. Let's make it a great one. Until tomorrow, take care of each other. We'll be back again tomorrow. Talk to you then.